going to kick off episode 367 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear with the song Kogai Kaiju Hedoran Lives. It's from the band Robotron. There is a new album coming from them called Gorgonzola's Revenge. They're a surf band based out of Brazil. They're awesome. And they sent me this sneak peek of this new album. Check it out. I hope you enjoy it. This is Monster Kid Radio, and I'm your writer-producer host, Eric Kim Cook. I want to welcome you to the show this week. I've got a doozy of an episode here. This was a long conversation that was just amazing, if not for the fact that I had things I had to do that day that demanded my attention, you know, real-life stuff. I could have sat there and chatted with Timothy Price and his sons for hours more about all things kaiju. Not a kaiju movie we're talking about, though, this week. We're talking about the movie H-Man. It's by Toho, so it's got some kaiju cred, and it's an amazing film, and I had an amazing time talking with Timothy and his family about this film. Because this conversation went so long and is packed full of so much goodness, that's the bulk of the episode this time around. It runs nearly two hours. Now, we do play the Classic Five, and I was asked to play with them, so I got to play along, which was a lot of fun. We talk about H-Man, and then we sidetrack, because that's what happens when monster kids get to talking. We talk about Timothy Price's book, Big in Japan. Talk a little bit about his career as a musician. Talk about what being a monster kid, what being a kaiju kid has done for him and what opportunities it's opened up in his life. It's a really neat conversation. And I found a lot of parallels uh, in my life and some of the things that have happened to me because of my monster kidness in his stories. I want to thank him for taking the time to chat with me and for bringing his sons along. You're going to get to hear all of that. Plus, we have the next installment of Michael Dodd's Vault of Monster Collectibles and just a little teeny tiny segment on the 200 Years of Frankenstein. That's all coming up right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, here is an important message from Jack H. Harris. Producer of 4D Man. Imagine a check for $1 million being made out to you. In my new film, you will see 4D Man perform feats never seen on the screen before. And if you, any one of you listening to me, can actually perform in real life the feats ascribed to 4D Man, $1 million in cash will be yours. Your admission ticket to see 4D Man in widescreen and color may be worth $1 million. 4D Man is the most amazing motion picture ever made. The story of one man who solved the mystery of the fourth dimension. Even in this century of wonders, when science holds nothing to be impossible, you'll gasp in awe at the feats of the 4D Man. In color to thrill you as never before, 4D Man. It's 1966. The space race is on. The Cold War is heating up. And giant monsters are destroying Japan. Dai Kaiju Attack. The serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and SDSullivan.com. Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today. Two giant monster films. 
The War of the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. See the two mighty Gargantuas battle to the death. And on the same program, Rodan and Godzilla join forces to destroy the deadly Monster Zero. The War of the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. Both in color. Rated G. General audience from United Productions of America. A subsidiary of DEI Industries. Hello, this is Raider Director Christopher R. Mim, the master of the Mimiverse. You're listening to Monster Kid Radio with Derek M. Cook. The greatest person I've ever met, sure. (laughs) This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night Ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Monster Kid Radio listeners, I have uh, a new voice kind of sort of here on the show. You heard him once before, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. He's an author. He's a musician. He's a monster kid. He's a monster dad. I am joined this week by Timothy Price and his two sons, Jeffrey and Daniel. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for having us. Hi. Yo. <laughs> this is going to be fun. This is a real treat. I have not had a family on the show all at the same time. This is going to be a lot of fun for me. I hope it's fun for you guys. Uh, this this is great, great for me. I mean, I man, we just love monster movies, and I uh, uh, these poor kids. <laughs> it's like I just make them watch so many monster movies, and I think uh, mom is the only one who suffers. Yeah, yeah. Um, between the eight, <laughs> yeah, the eight millimeter monster movies, the. Uh, all the, seen them all. Yeah, all the kaiju and then the Sven Gulli stuff and the Universal and just just everything. It's like these guys are the the next generation for this. And uh, Daniel is nine and Jeffrey's fourteen. And uh, you go in their rooms and they got their little kaiju collections, but they have their own thing on there. Like Daniel loves kaiju, but he also loves Power Rangers and Five Nights at Freddy's. He loves Five Nights at Freddy's. What else do you got? You have some Transformers. I have a Kong Skull Island poster. Uh, a, yeah, he has an authentic Kong of Skull Island poster. and Nice. We do this thing in uh, Minnesota. Um, it's called the Minnesota Monster Kids Society. And uh, we have a Facebook page. And, of course, anybody's welcome to join. But we do all of these events, you know, where we do like 8mm showings. And we go see new monster movies. And he got the poster. It, it was just like when you're a kid. You know, you go to the movie theater and you go, can I have that poster? And uh, when I was a kid, I uh, went and saw Seventh Voyage of Sinbad at a Saturday matinee. And uh, I asked the the manager, I mean, this is like 1976, 75, if I could have the movie poster. And he's like, yeah, kid, come back on Monday. And I came back on Monday and I got the poster. And it was the same thing. He got the Kong of Skull Island poster like that. We got it from uh, one of the theaters. But we did this great Minnesota Monster Kid outing where – we went and saw Guillermo del Toro exhibit. Yeah, that's Jeff. We saw the Guillermo del Toro exhibit. Then we went and saw Kong, Kong of Skull Island. Then from there, we all went to a, a pizza place and watched eight millimeter monster movies. <laughs> man, that's living the dream, man. Will you adopt me? I want to hang out and do that. <laughs> hey, man, I, we got an extra room. Come on, bring the fan. We got, <laughs> we got plenty of room. But and uh, Jeffrey, in the midst of 
his collection. He's got all his kaiju stuff, and uh, they get all of my Fallout, of course. And uh, but I also have a little mom in me because I am a biggest Star Trek fan in history. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He's a big Trek fan now. If I remember correctly, Trekkie is not the appropriate term. Trekkie is what people who are not Star Trek fans call people who are Star Trek fans. But if you're an actual Star Trek fan, I believe you are a Trekker. And uh, if I'm wrong on that, I'm sure I'll hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you have that. And he's also a big James Bond fan. And uh, he's also Derek, which, which really brings a tear to my eye and probably bring one to yours, too. He loves composers and he loves soundtrack music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I thought I liked you guys already. Now I know. <laughs> oh, you guys are awesome. That's great. Oh, it's great. <laughs> he, he listens to stuff and I'm like, what is that? Oh, well, it's this and that. And like, oh, well, I'm like, wow. So I got, I'm pretty lucky. I've got two great boys. I mean, I'm a, I'm a lucky dad. They make it a lot of fun and, uh, I forgot to say that Rampage was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We went and saw Rampage yesterday. Yeah? It was awesome. Uh, you know, the new Dwayne Johnson movie. And, mm-hmm. uh, the Rock. Yeah. If, <laughs> if, you hadn't seen, if you haven't seen Rampage, it's I mean, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it really is. And, of course, it's based off uh, the, uh, the 1980s video game Rampage. And uh, mm-hmm. I play that all the time. I always had to be Lizzie because I love Godzilla. So, uh, but yeah, we went and saw that movie yesterday. We drag them to the movie all the time and, uh, we've got a drive in, in the neighborhood. And the best comedy or movie is the Marx Brothers. Yeah. He loves, Daniel loves the Marx Brothers too. So we're, we're a big classic film family. There's no doubt about it. We do, uh, I guess for a lot of people, sort of like in, uh, the Monster Kid Chronicles where a lot of people opt for the great outdoors, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we opt for the, the theaters and the in uh, and by movie theaters, I mean, not, not the theater. I'm talking <laughs> theaters, Ray Harryhausen and classic theaters, <laughs> you know, Godzilla, Kaiju, you know, universal and, uh, even the new stuff. We seem to like the, the new stuff. Like it's just the, all fun. Like the Pacific Rim movie. Yeah. We went and saw Pacific Rim two, two weeks ago. We really liked that. And we went and saw Ready Player One last week and that was amazing they thought it was terrible well, i don't think it was terrible it's just uh it was i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i i like pacific rim and i liked uh i liked uh mecha godzilla i, I, I love mecha godzilla in there that was great and i love that iron giant was in it too but i don't want to blow it for people who haven't seen it because half the fun of ready player one is it's a monster kid paradise i mean it had all of the the nods and all of the the pop culture references in that movie were actually all of my favorite things. And I don't want to blow it because half of the fun of the movie, if you haven't seen it, is to see those pop up and go, "Oh my gosh, look, it's that guy!" Right? You know, or that monster? Which, like that guy? That guy? Like that guy right there? So, <laughs> yeah, Derek. I don't know, man. I, I I feel bad for these kids. I'm just ruining. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we take taekwondo. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, I haven't seen uh, Rampage. I haven't seen Ready Player One yet. But uh, I see Pacific Rim. You know, I haven't had to see a chance to see that yet either. I saw the first one, obviously, but the new one I haven't seen. It's fun. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, the first one's real special, as usually first movies are. But you know, the second one, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's just it's just good. You know, I mean. 
You're talking to somebody who loves Shawa Gamera movies, you know? So, of course, I'm going to love Pacific Rim, too. The big bombastic fights on, you know, the between uh, the Jaggers and the Kaiju on the big screen. We saw it at what's called the, the Muller Monster Screen here in Minnesota. And it's the biggest screen in the state, and it's three stories tall by 80 feet. And, uh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't matter, man. If it's any kind of giant monster movie and you go watch it in there, it's like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> it sounds exciting. It sounds like a lot of fun. It, so- it sounds awesome. I'm a lucky man, sir. I mean, truly, I'm a lucky man. And, and you know, we were giving my wife a hard time, but, you know, she's always there with us, too. <laughs> you know, she's, just, she's always so, so much so that we have to have a uh, whose pick is it for a movie tonight? Who's, well, it's like it's Daniel's pick tonight. What are you picking tonight? Doc's purpose. Oh, Dog's Purpose. Well, that'll be good. So everybody gets to pick their movie. So, like, my poor wife gets her picks in, you know. But, I mean, yeah. she picks great movies, though, too. Like, she picked War Games last week, you know. And, uh, and so, she picks chick flicks. Yeah, she picks some chick flicks, you know, but that's okay. You but, can kind of balance it out a little bit, you know. You do. He wants us to watch Titanic. <laughs> 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 did, did, I, did I tell you the line when, when me and Bob we went and saw that? When did that come out? Like twenty years ago? We were we were watching the movie and it was two hours in and I looked at it and I went, The damn boat hasn't even begun to sink yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I think we just got out yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we won't talk about Titanic here. We'll we'll, we'll keep it on the monster point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> oh man. Well, I I'm excited to talk to you guys about the H-Man, but but before we do that, there's, there's a couple things that I like to do here on the show to kind of introduce our listeners to our our guests and that sort of thing. And I'd love to play this game with you guys. It's called the Classic Five, and, oh, and what it is is I've got a deck. <laughs> yeah, Timothy, no, Tim I've knows heard what it. it is. I've heard I've it heard many times. We've heard it many times. We always try to answer them whenever you do it. We always say, yeah? maybe if we ever get on the show, we can answer some of these now." For listeners who don't know, the Classic Five is a game that we play here with our guests on Monster Kid Radio. I've got a deck of cards here with a bunch of this or that, yes or no style questions all about monster movies. We're going to play the Classic Five here with Tim, Jeffrey, and Daniel. Are you guys ready to play the Classic Five? Yeah! We're ready. ready. Right on. Now, I actually have some kaiju-specific cards. I'm going to dip into some of those cards here. Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Card number one, guys. For all three of you. What is your favorite Godzilla foe? Ooh. Do you want to go first? I got to tell you, I think mine has got to be Destroyer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Daniel? Daniel? I want you to go next. We're you want me to go? Around. Okay. Around. I got to think. You know, I've got two. I got to tell you. I just, uh, I, I love King Ghidorah. And I've always loved Ghidorah since I was a kid. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not of the Ghidorah school. Um, oh. I am Ghidorah. And uh, I love Ghidorah just as an ongoing enemy and nemesis and just sheer coolness of what he is. But, uh, you know, I'm a big Biolante fan, too, because I just did it really. Oh, you could say, but you could say whatever you want. So I'm going with I'm going with, you know what? I'm just going to go with King Ghidorah. Who's yours? I'm saying that 
thinking of a narrow one. I have more than one. I love Pylante. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I could pick one, I'd have to go with... I've always loved this one. Um, Final Wars Gigant. Yeah! Trails. Ooh, yeah. Final Wars Gigan. Yeah. Gigan's Gigan cool. Like yeah, Gigan, especially the Final Wars Gigan. Yeah. Especially with the drills. Yeah, with the drills. And, and then the he has head. the chainsaw. Yeah. And, no, you don't want to mess with Final I, Wars. I love Gigan. the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, do we need to worry about spoilers here? No, I think we're fine. <laughs> yeah, when Gigan gets his head cut off. <laughs> He cuts his own head off. He kind of does, yeah. He's cool looking, but he ain't too bright. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. All right. (laughs) That's question one an hour later. That's question one. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Card number two. What is your favorite flying kaiju? Ooh. Okay. You want to take it, Jeffrey? You guys need to think about it. Mm. I'm going with Rodan. Rodan? Yeah, I love Rodan. Yeah, I'm Spe- right there with you, man. I yep. love Rodan. To me, Rodan, the, the 1956 original, is, I mean, it's right up there almost with Gojira for me. I mean, that is just, it's a spectacular movie. And he's just, you know, it's Godzilla and Rodan in those first couple years of Toho. They're spectacular monsters. So I'm going with Rodan. I have mine. Okay. I, want um, I, I think my favorite flying kaiju has got to be Gauss. Oh, oh very cool. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like yeah. Gauss. Yeah. Daniel? Okay, let me... I already know this. I It took me two seconds. Mothra. All right. Mothra. Hey, there you go. She's an old favorite. Yeah, she's awesome, though. I mean, yeah. Okay, we got that. We're kind of We're kind of on a roll now. <laughs> all right, all right. So I, I suspect I know how this is going to go, but card number three, which do you prefer, Godzilla or Gamera? Well, that's 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 a no-brainer for me. Now, I love Gamera, don't get me wrong, and I, I especially love uh, the Gamera trilogy uh, from Kanako. Love it. Um, but I got to go with Godzilla. Guys? Okay. Oh, Jeffrey's thinking. <sighs> that, that Gamera trilogy was... Amazing. It was amazing. But there are many Godzilla movies that triumph it. I'm, just, I'm going to stick with Godzilla. Okay. Daniel? Okay. Equal. I'm going equal. He's going equal. <laughs> ah, right down the middle. All right. Fair He's enough. He's a definite maybe. Wait, can I ask a question? Sure. What are yours? I want to hear Ooh. yours. I have all three of the questions. You want to hear my favorite? Okay. Yeah. Um, First well, favorite enemy. Favorite enemy? I do like Biollante. I, I'd probably go with Biollante. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I like Biollante. Everybody likes Biollante. Cool. Nothing wrong with him picking the same one you picked. That just shows you how half cool plants, he is. Half plants, half Godzilla. Or she is. Biollante's a girl. <laughs> okay. All right. Flying Kaiju, Derek. Flying Kaiju. I like... Man, I'm going to pick something you guys already picked. Rodan's my guy. I yeah. love Rodan. See, that's I great, though. We're, we're, we're together on this okay. so far. Godzilla or Gamera? Godzilla or Gamera. See, that's so tough because that got Gamera trilogy is so yeah, good. I know. You know, I'd probably just for sheer volume of work. There's so many Godzilla movies. I'd probably go Godzilla, but G- Gamera is so close. So close. Equal. Go equal. <laughs> okay, I'll go equal. That works yep. for yes! me. Yep. And there, there's <laughs> no denying Super Monster Gamera either. So. <laughs> well, there, there is that. 
All right. Fourth question. <laughs> Fourth question. Derek, Derek is this great podcast. Monster Kid Radio wins Rondo Awards. Then we come on the show. Now nobody listens to it anymore. Hey, I'm having a blast. A this is show. fun for me. Yeah. All right. Card number four. We're ready. What city would you like to see a giant monster destroy right now? Oh. Go ahead, Daniel. Well, I have seen this before because we do have the Godzilla game. I'd like to see New York. All right. Okay. All right. Jeffrey? I'd like to see London get trashed. Ooh. Oh. Let's go, Big Ben! That's awesome. Uh, I'm going with Peoria. <laughs> What's Peoria? Derek, let's hear yours. What's Peoria? You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Minneapolis get trash. Ah, <laughs> take know? that, Minneapolis! Yeah, well, just because we live here, and you know, and, and growing up here, Atlanta is such a close second. But you know, uh, I love Atlanta, and I lived there for 25 years, and I've got some wonderful, wonderful friends there. Uh, that authors, we'd like to see get trashed. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, but I got to tell you, I'd like to see Atlanta, but more so I'd like to see Minneapolis get trashed. I think that would be awesome. So uh, remember, we went, we go past all these places, the poor boys, you know, it's like a constant, well, there's where I did that. When I was growing up, this is where I broke my foot and all this. And uh, He actually said that once. <laughs> just once, just <laughs> once. And uh, so I show them all the landmarks that I'd have monsters in these stories that I wrote when I was a kid, all these, like the black dog plant and in Duluth, like the Radisson where Godzilla came up out of the water from Lake Superior. And, oh, uh, oh. Oh, oh, that's a, my wife just put in hers. We're going to get off mine. So I'm Minneapolis. My wife wants to throw one in. Oh, okay. Las Vegas. <laughs> Take that Elvis Presley. Take that Take Elvis. Your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought they were going to do a lot with the Muto in Vegas in 2014, but that was sort of just, uh, look what just happened. But it would be cool. What other monster? The the Colossal Beast went to Las Vegas. Yeah. And what was that? The the Pioneer. He wrecked the big cowboy who waves in. Hey. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Please, we're doing all we can for you. We're trying to bring you back down to normal size. You do think I'm a freak, don't you? But you know, to me, you're the freak. The one who's different. I'm not growing. You're shrinking! <laughs> he started as a normal human being. But now, each day, he doubles in size. Where will it stop? The amazing, colossal man. Colonel, he's been reported in Las Vegas. Impossible. How can he walk 120 miles in only an hour? Impossible. Not when you're 60 feet tall. The amazing, colossal man. Yeah, Derek, they've seen all of these movies. It's <laughs> because <laughs> okay, you're heard... doing it right, man. You're doing it right. Uh, great, uh, DVD and Super 8 8mm yep. type stuff. Okay, so we got Daniel has New York. Jeffrey has London. London. I have Minneapolis. Alice has Vegas. Derek, what's yours? No offense to any of my friends who live up there, but I think it'd be really fun to see a giant monster take out the Space Needle in Seattle. Nice, yeah. Get the number two Marvel comic book with Godzilla chomping down the the Space Needle is coming to mind. Yep, yep. I remember the name of that one too, Seattle Under Siege. (laughs) (laughs) What's the fifth question, Derek? Okay, fifth question. So we have Mechagodzilla and Mechanicong. What other kaiju should there be a robotic version of? Oh. 
Oh, don't forget Kiryu. That is my yeah. Godzilla. Well, there's two ty- kinds. There's Mike Godzilla and Kiryu. And what is what is uh, one of our good friends, what movie is he in? Um, or there's another Mac. Mecha in Gidra. Yep. And who, yep. Who's, who's our good friend that's in that? Scott. Robert Scott Field. Yep. Yep. He's in that. Uh, M11. M11, yeah. He, Super uh, cool guy. Super yeah, cool guy. Yeah, isn't he a great guy? Uh, yeah. He's so much fun. And... Uh, I, I I love Mecha King Ghidra, but it, okay, well you guys think I would say if I had to pick another mech, I'm gonna go with uh better not pick mine again. Uh, you got one? Yeah. Well then you go ahead. You go ahead. I'd like to see Violante. Mecha Violante. <laughs> wow. Can everybody. you imagine this giant tentacle arm and giant arm? <laughs> <laughs> now each arm shoots a laser. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the main head. <laughs> what about Mecha Gamera? Oh, see, y'all yeah. picked mine. Y'all just took yeah. mine right there. Yeah. What about a Mecha Legion? Oh, oh, that would be wicked. That would be terrifying. Many, many, many Mecha Legions that form into one giant Mecha Legion. What about what about uh, Destroyer when it's in the the crab aggregate form? Oh, my. Can you imagine that? It's sort of like King Traxian and Big in Japan, too. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've got one. Okay. That destroyed an entire city, and it's a flying one, in two laps. Mecha Rodan. Oh, that'd be pretty awesome. That would be awesome. Cool. Uh, I'm going to actually stick with the one, one, one I said earlier. What about Mecha Gauss? That would be pretty cool. That'd that would be, be really, cool. really neat. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I like love, it. I love. I love Mechanicon, though. I mean, I, I yeah. think. I think. Yeah. I, you know, I love the '70s, the the show on Mecha Godzilla. I just, I love it because it has almost like it should have steam spitting out of it, like a, a steampunk design. And Mecha Kong is just so cool. The fantastic duel of the century, the most ferocious battle in history. The flesh and blood King Kong fights his most incredible enemy, a 60-foot robot King Kong forged of super steel. King Kong escapes. All new, all thrilling in Technicolor. King Kong battles missiles, monsters, and a King Kong of steel. King Kong escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release. Don't touch it. in spots of a great city to the last desperate refuge of millions underground. The incredible, monstrous H-Man strikes terror to every heart, disintegrates everyone it touches. It kills, but can't be killed. The most incredible man you never saw. Deadly byproduct of the H-Bomb blasts, dooming mankind to oblivion. We are facing a situation which cannot be minimized. Complete extermination. Did you start yet? Yes. Masada went into the sewer. Where? Right there. See a great city fight back. Commence operations. 
to stop the deadliest killer the world has yet encountered. I want to talk about the movie that we're talking about this week, The H-Man, Yeah, which, Tim, you brought up, and I knew I hadn't seen it. And when we started talking about watching it and talking about it on the show, I decided to hold off until right before we started talking. So I actually just finished it this morning. Oh, okay, cool. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. It was a first-time viewing for me, and you had seen it before, but Jeffrey Daniel, was this a first-time viewing for you guys? Yep. Well, but Dad made us watch it multiple times. <laughs> the thing that happened to me is the first time we watched it, since it was like in the middle of the night, Dad just got back from a gig, <laughs> I fell asleep maybe 20 minutes until it ended. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, he made then it, we watched were, it yesterday. They were getting rid of the monster. Yeah, we, he and, and we're cool with spoilers? Yeah, we are totally cool with spoilers. Okay, cool. Can't spoil me, yes. Yeah, poor Daniel. He he watched it all and he fell asleep right towards the end. So, right at but, the sewer. But these poor kids, I mean, I sometimes I don't get home till two or three in the morning. And, uh, and then you get us up for a monster movie. Yeah, and if, <laughs> if we don't have to get up the next morning for anything, I'll wake them up and say, get up, we're going to go watch a monster movie. You've know? <laughs> done, done it. Dad, go away. That was, <laughs> how, that was how I watched Godzilla against Mechagodzilla for the first time. Yeah, Period. yeah, yeah. A bionic monster, a menacing giant, an awesome machine unleashed with a deadly task. Godzilla, the only hope for Earth's survival. Godzilla versus the bionic monster. Godzilla strives to win supremacy in a fight to the end. Will Godzilla triumph? The Earth survive? Godzilla versus the bionic monster, an Earth-shaking movie. My, my greatest Godzilla memory is uh, one of my greatest memories of my dad and... Uh, it was me and my big brother, and we were when we were kids. We were coming home from. Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, and we had this show in the seventies, late sixties, seventies. They rebooted it in the eight, late eighties and the early nineties. Was called Horror Incorporated. All it was was a Saturday night double feature. It was midnight, and they'd always do back to back movies. And it was one of the, if I remember correctly, it was the latest that TV went in those days from the local channels because it'd be on till almost four o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, you got to remember this is the seventies when TV actually shut down for a while. So we were coming home from my, my Nana's and my dad goes, Hey, you guys, there's this movie tonight on horror incorporated that I saw when I was a kid. So my dad saw it at the drive-in when he was a kid he goes, it's called Godzilla. It's about a giant dinosaur. You want to watch it? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. So he, mom went to bed and uh, dad brought us downstairs. We had a big giant zenith that probably weighed about six tons and uh, made us popcorn and drank Pepsi Cola and sat down there with dad, all just my, my brother, my dad and I just on this couch. That's just such a great memory that I just, I love getting them up. And it's like, you know, how many times have you watched a movie and, you know, admit it, especially now that we're adults, we wind up watching the majority of these movies by ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So, man, I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun to get home at two in the morning and have a craving to watch a Godzilla movie and go get uh, a 14 and a nine-year-old up out of bed to come enjoy it with you. You know, it, just, it makes it so much more fun, you know, and it's just like being a kid again, you know, and especially when they haven't seen them. I mean, as a parent, it's awesome to show the kids and you relive your first time seeing the movies, you know, uh, my only problem is, is I think I've already shown them all of them. <laughs> yeah, I think we've seen them all. There are some of them that I don't remember well. No, we'll have to go back and watch them again. Um, <laughs> 
So sorry about that. That was a no, a no. Big, that's long thing. So so they've seen it we'll twice. Say, right? They've seen it twice, and I've seen it. I've probably seen it total four, maybe five times. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, the first time I watched it, boy, it was a few years back. I really didn't like it that much. Oh, and, uh, really? Okay. Yeah, but that's that's because uh, I mean I was a lot younger when I saw it. I'm trying to remember where I saw it. I think was I saw it. No, I think I saw it on local TV in Las Vegas um, when I was playing there. Or I can't remember. I used to I, I play all over the country, so I, I'd get to enjoy like local stations from all these other towns, and you know how some channels. This was the '90s, so I guess you know cable was pretty pretty well established by then but still local channels would still have their own movies on and stuff so i get to see a lot of different movies but i don't remember where i saw it but you know i'm like wow h-man toho wow ishiro honda wow wow and i watch it and i went where's godzilla (laughs) (laughs) h-man you know it's the hedra man or you know i don't know you know but uh so the first time I watched it, you know, I didn't I didn't really watch it with an open mind. I just watched it with a different set of expectations. I think that might be one of the uh, the down it's not a downfall, but I think that may be a lot of people haven't seen this movie. You know, it's it's not as popular, of course, as the the Kaiju series and all that, but uh Man, when I watched it after getting a little bit more educated about uh, Toho and about their cast and about the music and, you know, E.G. Sabaraya and all and watched it again, it was magnificent. I mean, it was just like, this is so awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I've become a big fan. And, and like I said, when I first watched it many years ago, I really wasn't. But now I am. And uh I, I absolutely love it. You know, I, I could see that when I first started watching it, I thought it did kind of start off a little slower than I thought it would mm-hmm. Just for the people that were involved with it. I expected something a little bit more, I don't know. I don't want to say upbeat because of what the movie's about, but just something a little bit more uh, quicker paced. Yeah. But, I, but I that went away that. pretty quickly because, you know, you get so involved and invested in the characters and, and what they're doing and this really cool kind of noir mystery thriller yeah. police thing going on. It's fascinating. I, I got to tell you, my favorite scene in this movie doesn't have anything to do with the H-Man or the monsters. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what it is because it might be Daniel's favorite scene too. The, the cabaret scene. Oh, scene. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I they're summoning that. Jazz Mothra. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, you know, and they're all trying to be sneaky and, you know, kind of casting looks to each other and and somebody's trying to I love that sequence it's so well directed and so suspenseful and the music of course is fantastic all of the music at the that Homura club Homura I think is how you pronounce it all of that that music uh, that Sato did during that it's just so wonderful I mean it's just nightclub it's just wonderful it's just he captures it so well there's like on the soundtrack, there's just there's four different uh, they call it uh, Homura Club nightclub background music. And there's like four different cuts on the soundtrack CD. And they're all a little bit different. You know, there's there's, uh, you know, the, the one that I the one that I had mentioned, you know, I call it where all the all the dancing girls are out on the middle of the floor and they're all in a circle and they're yeah, he dances hubba hubba and they're all kind of raising their arms. You know, it's like. Me and the boys are watching that, and that's when I said, look, they're summoning Jazz Mothra. Hello. 
<laughs> but you know, those those scenes were great. But Daniel, tell him, uh, tell him before I get too long winded on this. Tell him uh, what your favorite scene was that had nothing to do with uh, the monster, with the gangster. Okay, two. But what my first one was when the gangster. It was probably in the middle of the movie when he faked his death and put his um clothes on the ground and hid, and they found out he was still alive because his clothes weren't radioactive. I thought that was pretty clever. That was pretty yeah, clever. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, that, they actually said that in the movie, clever trick. And, and, and tell him, Jeffrey. What more tell funny him, was yeah. the fact that, so before Dale and I watched it, Dad had watched it a few days before, prior, and... uh he didn't catch that at, at when he first watched it. it. Nope. And, and before they it. even mentioned it in the movie, I figured that out. <laughs> and, uh, Dad goes, what? That's cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if you're listening and you, you haven't seen the H-Man, the H-Man basically dissolves you and leaves nothing but your clothes. Right. So uh, a gangster to get away from the authorities while in the club takes his clothes off and puts them in a pile so the authorities think he's dead. And uh, I thought that was really cool, you know. It's like – and it almost uh, – have you seen Dogora? Yes. You know, it just – it has that kind of – like what you're saying, there's there's a mystery going on, you know, and they're they're trying to solve the mystery. But in fact, you know, it's, it's mixed with, with sci-fi, and, you know, when you really think about the idea, I, I mean, of course, Honda loved, you know, anything to do with atom bomb, hydrogen bomb testing and and, and all of that. And it, the story is so good because even though it's called the H-Man, the premise of the movie is that, once again, sort of like taking the idea of the Lucky Dragon number seven, which was the ship that got contaminated, that was the the bases of the ship in the original Gojira where all the sailors wound up sick with cancer, the lucky dragon number seven, when they go to the, you know, the ships that are in this graveyard, it's kind of the same thing. They're all getting affected by strontium 90 and all of these uh, elements of radiation and all of that. And instead of a giant monster forming, it's taking these people and these men and turning them into Hydrogen men, H men, you know, and uh, and if you really look, you really catch it at the end too. That that's the whole thing. They're really worried about these H men taking over, being man as we know it becomes extinct yeah, and moves say. over for the new breed of H man. I think I got a little off track on that, but I think that's so cool, you know, just that part of the story. There's just there's so many good elements to this story that that I just really enjoyed, you know, and uh, that was one of them. And, and once again, watching it a few years ago, you know, I don't know if I would have, uh, it's it's like you said, Derek, you know, where you just, you've got to sit down and then you've got to know what, you know, you've got to know what you're looking at and just kind of expect a fairly decent story. And that's, that's what I got out of it, you know, and I'm, and, and with my boys pointing some things out, that, that made it so much more enjoyable, too. There's one scene where, and if one of you guys, when they're looking at the mug shots. Yeah. That's what I want yeah. to bring up. Do you want to bring that up? 
No, none of these guys. I don't have him anywhere. He's a that guy. The guy, I'll set it up. He's a that guy. And the only other movie that, if people know any of these, I've got a good grasp on most of the Toho that guys. But there's a few that I still don't know. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of really dedicated people out there that have painstakingly found these actors and, you know, even interviewed them like Eric Hominick has interviewed so many of these wonderful Toho actors and G fan has brought so many of these wonderful actors to G fast and they're showing up at the cons and all that, but there's still a few that seem to kind of slip through the goal. And um, I'm sure some people may know this. I, I don't. So the only thing I can say is the only thing that I remember seeing this guy in was in uh, Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Ghidra! The three-headed monster battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for the world. All new, all never to be forgotten. See Ghidra, the three-headed monster. He was the king of the country where the prisoner, or where the princess came from, and where, uh, where the gentleman goes back and he says... The princess isn't dead. You need to go back and kill her. You know, and he threatens his life. If she doesn't die, you will die. You know, that's the only thing that I've ever seen that guy in that I recognized him. Um, he's in one of the club scenes. And the other guy who's who we're talking about is another one of those guys. And I've seen him in like two other movies, but I can't place his name either. So what they're doing is they're bringing in it's, – it's about gangsters. And right. if you right. haven't seen H-Man again – What's going on in the story is it's a story about gangsters who are trying to smuggle drugs. And it's also about the police that are trying to catch these gangsters. And it's about one of the head gangsters, the first victim, as a matter of fact, about they one time they say it's his wife. It's uh, Yumi Shirakawa. One time they say it's his wife. Another time they say it's his girlfriend. But she, he is a significant other, the gangster of Yumi Shirakawa, who is awesome. And uh, he winds up dead. He's the first victim of the H-Man. And he dies when they're in the middle of... Uh, it's like the very first scene. Yeah, it's the very first scene. Yeah, it's and, the high uh, where they're taking the drugs. Yeah, and he... Yeah, did did they catch? Did they get the drugs? Yeah, I the think police they did. got it. The piece, yeah, the police got the drugs. And, and actually, real quickly with that scene, he fires off a few rounds at, yeah. at the H man, and you and the sound effects happen, but there's nothing no, happens with the there's gun. There's no discharge from the gun. Just the I, sound noticed that. I noticed that. I noticed that. I'm like, hey, we know okay. it's, it's sad. Sad. We noticed that stuff too. <laughs> so this, and in, in the meantime, all this is happening, and the police are convinced that it's the gangsters are the ones killing people, and Kenji Sahara. Uh, his, his character, who's Dr. Masada, is trying to convince, uh, Akihiko Harata that he thinks it's this H-man, this being that's, you know, made of radiation killing people. He's having a hard time. So they bring in, uh, one of the gang leaders for questioning. And while he's sitting in the, and it's, again, it's Akiko uh, Harata. And I have all of these names so I can set a face to him too, because that's the thing. A lot of times I listen to people and they say the names. I'm like, well, who is that? You know, so, uh, <laughs> I can tell you who they are. And, and we're, when, when this airs, we're, we're going to throw up, uh, a reference sheet on, uh, Monster Kid Radio. We're going to call it the that guy list. So there you, you can go. look at it and you're going to know all, who all these characters are. 
But they bring him in, and they have him looking through a mug book, and... On the third page that he's looking, they see his face. He sees a picture of himself. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool. So, but there's a lot of there's a lot of humor in it like that too. That's that's just really good. Now, may I talk about the model part? Please, yeah. yeah. At the very end, when you see the city getting blown up from the bombs to destroy the H Man, big spoiler. which does work. Have uh, even bigger, <laughs> bigger spoiler. Bigger spoiler. <laughs> um, you see a picture of the city being blown up. That is a miniature model. Oh yeah, that's amazing. yeah, that's a Eiji Saburaya miniature. Yep. It's wonderful. Oh. Did Saburaya do the the model work yeah, on that? Yeah, oh, yeah. You know that and that city at the end where all the flames are coming out of the sewer system and, and the, the ships are cool. Oh, the ships are wonderful. You know, it's the first thing I think of when I see the ships in the ghost ship scene. Gargantuas, because it yeah. looks just like the first ship for the smugglers yeah. at the very beginning. Sabariah was so wonderful. I mean, I, Derek, I, I love modern movies. Don't get me wrong, and I'm, and I'm sure uh, I'm going to show my age here a lot, but man, the miniatures in the Showa series just blow my mind, especially anything that Sabariah did. I mean, it's just his detail and just how well he did his miniatures are just unbelievable. And when they show the the miniature ships, you know, that are floating, what they call the ghost ship scene, right. where uh, the one ship shows up, and there's some great stuff there, too. The one ship shows up, and uh, the ship with the H-Men is just floating there, and you can just, it has Saburaya written all over it. Those miniatures are just so wonderful. And other than that, I'm not really sure if there was too much more uh, miniature action, but there was some great effects, you know, and coming out in, you know, what's really great is like it came out in 58, you know, I it, it may have come out in 57, the Japanese version, um, might have been 58 Japan, but that time between 58 and 59, it was almost like the oozing sensation, you know, between the H-Man and Kaltiki and the Blob, you know, <laughs> all these wonderful and all, all the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, great stuff. And it's like when you see the H-Man moving, when it's not superimposed, you can tell they're doing a lot. They're like doing a lot of backward shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. But man, it just, it looks great. And to me, it holds up. And it's just, it's such, it, it's, it's so awesome to watch that and see it done so well. And you know, it's not CGI and it's not, uh, massive sets or anything like that. I, I mean, it's it's Toho, and, you know, they always worked on a budget. I mean, that was part of the whole Toho thing. You've got X amount of money and X amount of time. Make a movie, and it better be done. And just what, what Saburaya would do in that short amount of time. And it was funny because, like, so many people at Toho, you know, in those days would just – all kind of pull together, you know, and just make these remarkable movies. And the special effects in that movie are, are just fantastic. You know, the only thing I kind of, you know, snigger at a little bit is when they show the superimposed green slime, like coming out the window. It's like, you know, it, it gets the uh, ever popular fakey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that the, that the other amazing Toho miniature is in Gojira. Oh, don't even bring it up. Bring it up, bring <laughs> it up. You, you watch Gojira and it's just such a masterpiece. Then that helicopter tips over. <laughs> and you go, island. what? 
what? You know, you like to think that it was just part of the American dub, but it's not. It's not. That, that's what we'll tell ourselves. That's what we'll tell ourselves. <laughs> yeah. It was all a bad dream. <laughs> You're right, though. I mean, there is a, a certain sense of charm and just – it's just – amazing to know that these folks who didn't have the technology that the filmmakers today have created these amazing sets and models and monsters and all this other stuff. There's just something just, man, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, as a kid, I think, uh, I know I always tend to gravitate towards the whole monster kid thing, but that's what we're all about. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, when I was a kid, I was into Godzilla before I was into model railroads, but I started getting into model railroads because I had the Aurora Godzilla monster model. Nice. You couldn't get an HO though, because it was too out of scale. So when I was a kid, I got an N scale train, which is the, if you're not familiar with it, it's the scale that's smaller than HO because it was more comparable to the size of my Aurora Godzilla. Because when we were a kid, when I, you know, when I was a kid, I know you're, you're, you're a few younger than me, a few years younger than me. Um, we didn't have all the toys and figures we have now, you know. So it's right. like, you know, I played with, I had the the Ghidra and the Rodan and the Godzilla, all Aurora. Uh, Godzilla was part of the original series with Kong and all those wonderful universal monster models that came out. I had all of them, every single one of them. And then I had the Monster of the Movie series, uh, Ghidra and Rodan. And I, every single one of them wound up being play figures. I played with every one of them. Nice. And of course, uh, with the exception of my Shogun Warrior, they're all, they're all gone because we, we played hard. <laughs> and I'm not saying there was ever fireworks involved. <laughs> it never happened. I'd never take a firecracker and break it in two and put it in Godzilla's mouth and light it. So it looked like he was blowing fire. I never did that. Never, 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 never. did that. You, never, you, you young that? kids, go home. <laughs> Don't listen to this. But uh, um, it's – I'm just thinking about that. I, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, did, yeah, we didn't have any of that stuff to play with. So, uh, But I do have uh, my original Shogun Warrior, which makes me happy. Oh, the one right on. the kid? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that cool? That's why I'm always like, get away from that. I, I, thought, I didn't realize that, that was one, the one you had as a kid. Is that the one yeah. with the flying fist? The one with the flying fist that you always like to go – you bring your friends over and you go, look at this, and you hit the fist. And then all of a sudden there's like six kids around playing with it. Uh, the kids come over – Come see my dad's kaiju collection. Hey, they think it's cool, so you should be admired by yeah, that. I do, I do, but it, it is. You know, but it's it's that it's all of those miniatures and just that like what you're saying, that sense of awe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is seeing that stuff on uh the big screen, you know, and I, I I bring this up in, in my stories a lot, and I've written a few articles for a couple magazines and you know, I, I always reminisce about about the days of uh, being able to see these classic movies at the theater, go to a matinee. You know, I, I, I got to see Destroy All Monsters on the big screen, you know, when I was a little kid. The following announcement is a special bulletin, direct from American International. It may be too late. Our planet may be doomed. Armies have been alerted. The hotlines are in constant use. Civilization is in chaos. The monsters are in revolt. Now a direct report. 
This is Jay Webb in New York. Godzilla is laying waste to the city. The citizens have never known such fear. At the same time, Rodan is attacking Moscow. The city is alert for military action. In London, Manda is spreading horror in its path. And in the Far East, Peking trembles under the wrath of Mothra. We must destroy all monsters. Yes, destroy all monsters, or our civilization will be destroyed. Destroy all monsters is a motion picture. See for yourself. It really could happen. Destroy all monsters in color from American International is rated G for general audiences. And you just see all those miniatures, and they're bigger than life, you know. And you know they're miniatures, but they just they look so... They're so cool. You know, it's like watching Thunderbirds or UFO or anything, <laughs> Jerry Anderson, you know, they just they just look so great. And, you know, they're miniatures. So there's an aspect of knowing that it's a miniature that makes it cool, because, you know, then again, you go see Earthquake and the miniatures are so pristine and so precise. It's like CGI. It's like there's no it's like what Ray Harryhausen would say. There's no room for imagination. It, oh, looks, that's a, it, looks, yeah. it looks too perfect, you know, yeah. and uh, I am definitely of the school of not too perfect because that's kind of how I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives it some more realism. Like you said, Absolutely. it's a little bit more real. Plus, it lets you kind of fill in the blanks with your imagination. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love these movies so much. Like you said, I'm a little bit younger than you. I don't think that much, but I'm a little bit younger than you. But still. I'm 29. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but we're the same age. <laughs> but you know, it's just how I'm actually 44. So he's a young buck. Yeah. Uh, he is. I, I I'm a young buck. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I don't think so. I think your kids have a speed, man. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah they're. But you know what? They're gonna they're gonna carry the torch. That's that's the whole plan. There's. Uh, I know this is off subject a little bit, but you know. Uh, I love going to G-Fest. I love going to uh, here in Minneapolis. Uh, we have a favorite convention called Crypticon. Oh, I love and, that. Um, I love seeing my friends. Yeah, it's so – Daniel, Daniel went. And they, my friends. Yeah, they – they were so funny because, you know, a lot of these stars who go to the convention – I you know, met they're, Jason. Yeah, they're, they're, they're making their living in there. You know, they – you know, you wait in line and, and you pay for an autograph and, you know, you're helping them make a living. And that's great. I you know, Buck but, but Daniel and his friends are like, we're determined to meet all of these stars and not pay one red cent. Yet, <laughs> wow. I got a picture with all the stars except for Buck Rogers. So, so who did you meet at Crypticon? You met, well, you met Newt from I met, Aliens. I met Newt from Alien. I met Jason. Jason Vore, the guy who played Jason Voorhees. I met the wrestler. Oh, you met the wrestler. Yep. I met... You met Christopher Mim. Who's he? He was the director, remember? He was the director, And you even recognized one of his movies that we saw. Yeah, and I got his autograph on that. Yeah, he's a great guy, isn't he? Um, and I met, um... A lot of Walking Dead guys. This guy... Yeah, I met, like, four Walking Dead guys. And you met uh, the Ice King from Walking Dead, who really loved him. Oh, I... The Game of Thrones guy. That was a Game of Thrones guy. And also the bad. Guy. Yeah, he killed uh, Bruce Wayne's parents. Yeah, he the did. He, yeah, so um, so they ran around and they got and he comes back with the iPad with like twenty pictures, and they're all so cool. They're all he met uh, Marky Ramone and PJ Souls, and they're all just hugging him. And you know, Marky Ramone is Daniel's walking around. He's got this little uh, xenomorph figure. You know, X. he calls he names X. it X. So he walks around. It's like a teddy bear, but it's the xenomorph. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, 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 
Yes, yeah, it's, the, it's the wounded one. So there's yes, the wounded. Yeah, the wounded one. Daniel's walking around. Will you kiss my xenomorph? <laughs> you know, there's Marky Ramon holding it up to the camera and you know doing a thumbs up. It's just awesome, you know. And there's so many kids at these things. The guy that was from The Simpsons, like with I think he was the drummer. No, he's from the Ramones, dude. Yeah, but do you want to know something? But they were on The Simpsons. He yeah. kissed it. Did he kiss he X? He kissed it. Yeah, Marky Ramone. That's pretty cool. And then PJ Souls was there. And you met PJ Souls. And what a, what a great Yeah, we, we, did a, uh, we did a tribute to uh, Haruo Nakajima and Akira Takarada at Spooky mm-hmm. Empire uh, in Orlando. Gosh, it was probably six years now. We did a thank you video. And... There are literally hundreds of people whose names are on it saying thanks for all you did in main ballroom packed in Orlando to see these two gentlemen. And while they were standing backstage waiting to come out, they showed the video and we stood there and Jeffrey and I, Daniel was too young and we watched them just tear up watching this video. It was so awesome. And then we were, we were back there with them and then Jeffrey met PJ souls who was just a sweetheart and uh, tell them who you met at Crypticon who just loves you to death. Oh, uh, I met Unpo Koho, who was from the show Falling Skies. What a great guy. Uh, and then some of you might know him from Saw 3. He has the cassette tape or whatever. Yep. Uh, and then I also met Doug Jones. What a oh, guy. nice. Super oh. Surfer! Derek, he was so nice was to amazing. Jeffrey. You know, it was... It was really neat I because him, I, I, I've got to go to a lot of these conventions as an author. And mm-hmm. uh, what was really cool about Crypticon um, is what they do is their dealer's room, they set up everybody in there. So Gigi was right next to us. Yeah. Oh, my god! I remember her. From Farscape. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she was so awesome. We had so much fun. I was her photographer. Jeffrey was her photographer, and there's this picture of her, him and uh, – Jeffrey and Gigi are wearing these space helmets and walking around, but they put you all in these rooms. So I, you know, I'm just this little lowly author of big in Japan, you know, trying to hawk my wares. And there's Gigi Ashley next to me, you know, and it's like, she's got a line of a hundred people. And I'm like, just hoping for people to kind of fall over to my side, you know, <laughs> but then, and then you walk down, there's Doug Jones down there and there are Umpos over there. Uh, and the, the, the guy who played the Android in Aliens. Oh, uh, like uh, Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There that year, uh, they're all in this room. And it's like if you're in there before all the people come in, you just walk up and, and talk to them. And, and Jeffrey, how long did you talk to Doug? He just uh, – I, I actually spent more time talking to Umpo. Umpo. I knew yeah. you were with yeah. Umpo yeah. too. I, I spent – what was awesome was Umpo and Doug were right next to each other. Uh. So I got to hang with both of them at once. And in the end, uh, Umpo gave me a free – picture and yeah. autographed it oh, and uh and then doug took some pictures with me uh, yeah yeah you've got some great shots with him and, and what does this have to do with the h-men it's cool <laughs> that's right isn't, isn't umpo the silver surfer no no doug jones, doug jones is the silver surfer. i knew one yeah. of them was the silver surfer and he's uh in the shape of waters he's uh Remember Abe Sapien from Hellboy? The fish guy. The fish guy oh, who kind of looks guy. like, yeah, yeah. That was absolutely. That was I met that guy! No, you were there that year, and I think you met him, but... You didn't see really that, know And him. That's, that's, that was the whole thing when I was saying, yeah, at these conventions, these kids are running around, and, like, Daniel's there, and he's met these kids, and they run around, and it's like, 
you know, making sure that torch gets carried on. Wherever know, I go, I meet kids. Yeah, but, you know, it's so fun because you meeting these, all of these stars and stuff, it's like, and it's like, well, I want to see aliens now because I, I met Newt. You know, I want to see eventually, you know, when you're a little older, you can see Halloween so you can see PJ Souls. You have to be a little older for that one. <laughs> what about Jason? A um, um, little older for that, too. So, but I'll let you watch the the Simpsons episode with the Ramones. <laughs> so, anyway, it's it's just you know I think it's important. And G Fest is the same way. There's so many kids there, you know, because they like it. Yeah, but that's great though. That's what I'm saying. It's there's no sign of it dying out. And obviously, it's evident in the fact that you know America has gotten into gotten into or has entered the arena for making kaiju films. Right. You know? So obviously, with that many young people enjoying it, it's almost like now the research is bigger than it's ever been, which is fabulous for monster kids and us monster kid adults. Yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking of G-Fest, real quick, a uh, listener of the show, Mark Bailey, said that he, he met you and your family at a G-Fest a few he's, years yeah, ago. Yeah, he's a so. great guy. <laughs> Yeah, so just a quick shout out. I wanted to say hey for him. So uh, I, I've never been to G Fest. I need to go to G. I know, I know. I always go to Monster Bash, but I never go to G Fest. I I need to go to G Fest. I need to. Yeah, you would enjoy it. I'm I mean, shaking. it's really fun. Uh, Daniel, you're nine. How many times have you been? Four, five. No, he, you've been like eight. I think you've been eight. <laughs> He's nine years old. I've been to G Fest more than a. 45 year old, and I'm nine. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> take that, Derek. <laughs> wow, I don't know what to say to that. Last, you know, I don't know what to say year, to that. Daniel and I didn't go, and I think that was the first time we had never, that Daniel and I had never gone since. Well, before. that was hard last year because I had to go. Uh, I went as an author, so uh, I have a big in Japan panel there every year. Man, there, there's some people there that, that really love my crazy big in Japan stuff. And bless their hearts, they're so awesome. And uh, they've uh, just, their fondness for the story has enabled me to do a panel every year. And we always have a filled to capacity panel, and it's just really fun. And so I'm there, and uh, the artist of the series, Alan O.W. Barnes, who's wonderful, uh, he's there with me. And then Robert Scott Field, who's one of the main characters, is always there as well when we do the panel. And uh, G-Fest is, is family. It and really is. Last year, what with Gary, Amanda, and Kyle? Right? Yep. We have friends up from northern Minnesota. They take them. Yeah, you think we're far up north. They're way up towards Canada. Hi, Gary. And they yeah. come down. From, <laughs> and Amanda Kyle. and Kyle, they come Yo. down from Eveleth and kind of make a pit stop here. And we usually watch monster movies the night before. And I don't think they'll do that anymore because I made us late last time. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Gary, we'll be okay if we leave it. At 11. Well, I want to be to Chicago by, by 1. Okay, 10.30. <laughs> hey, Tim, it's six hours from here. 9 o'clock. <laughs> so, uh, but we've, we've met so many, so many wonderful people there, you know, and, and G-Fan, helping G-Fan is a wonderful thing that reaches out and helps people and people who are fans or even sometimes people who are affiliated with the movies themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, Derek, you would really like it. There's, It's so much fun. I mean, oh, you should go do a panel and, you know, and uh, I, I'm kind of bummed because this year I'm, I've actually got a, I have a summer concert series 
and I, I'm playing so much this summer that I'm, this I, we can't go this gals. year. And it's uh, oh no, it's, it's the first time that oh boy, in years that I that I haven't gone. So we're actually going to take uh, a couple days off and do another family vacation, uh, but not to Fest this year, which is a bummer. But next year we plan on going back, and next year I'll have uh, the third and probably the last series in the Big in Japan book completed. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we'll be bringing that. So anyway, uh, I'm once again getting us way off. No, no, that's fine. I, I'm <laughs> glad you brought it up because I, I want to talk about it. But for listeners who don't know, G-Fest is the annual convention uh, in the Chicago area about Godzilla and Kaiju and all that. It's put on by G-Fan Magazine, which if you're not subscribed to G-Fan Magazine, you are missing out. Yeah. Uh, they're not paying me to say this. I don't have any advertising with them, but I love G-Fan. It's such a great magazine. He's a great he's, – he's top-notch, man. I mean – Anybody, anybody who these guys really make make they work hard. I, I mean, to make it legitimate, you know. And mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are, that are just legitimate. I mean, Ed Godeshevsky, he's he's wonderful. Uh, Sean Lincoln back, you know, what a great guy. You know, I got to know Sean pretty well when I lived in Atlanta. Man, I got to tell you, he just, he, he's got it down when it comes to this stuff. You know, it's just no nonsense kaiju. He knows what he's talking about, you know, and, uh, well, and everybody's approachable. That's the other thing. I, I've not exactly. met a kaiju fan who isn't approachable and wants to talk about this kind of stuff. Like you guys, you know, we, we start talking about H Man. Somehow we get to giant monsters and then, you know, all bets are off. We're talking about what now, you know? And, and it's great. I We're love talking it. about uh, chloroseptic sore throat spray. <laughs> <laughs> I like cherry. <laughs> I hate but you, it all. But you know, like in, in, you, you nailed it on the head because you know you, you'd think guys like that, you know, they 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 have their act together. They they know what they're talking about, and they've done so much for the fandom. And in the same breath, you can say that they're some of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, our August Ragone, uh, yeah, another a guy August who know. Oh, he's awesome, and, yeah. and the, I mean, he gets to do hosting, I guess, basically of the Ultraman stuff on Shout Factory TV, and that's amazing. But he'll also take time out of his day to just chat you up on Facebook if you have a question or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, he's I, need, a, I need to get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's boy. He's just. Boy, he knows the stuff, man. And, yeah. and you know your stuff. And, 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 and I, you can tell. I'm okay, man. But these guys, these guys are the real deal, man. I mean, mine is uh, the stuff that I know, it's in my bones because I grew up with it. And uh, I grew up, like like all, all of us, I, I'm not going to say most of us because we all grew up watching this stuff. And um, one thing that I do at a bunch of conventions, like I do it at Crypticon, um, I did it at Spooky Empire, I've done it at G Fest a few years is I have almost 500 8-millimeter Super 8 films. <laughs> I would say 499 of them are all horror. <laughs> you know I mean? but actually, they're all, I mean, they're horror, they're sci-fi, you know, and uh, and all of that. So, you know, when I was a kid, again, we had three ways of, uh, of seeing movies. It was either your local television station, or uh, the theater, you know, go to the movie theater for something that's coming out or, uh, you know, yeah, driving too, yeah. or a matinee where you get to see all the classic stuff, you know, but man, if it was 1975 and you had a, uh, 
you had a craving for Godzilla, man. If it wasn't on TV or in the movie theater, you had no choice but to buy an 8mm movie digest. Because that's the yep. only place you would see it. And that's why the magazines just flourished back then. You know, because you couldn't, you didn't have DVDs, you didn't have TiVo, you didn't have DVRs, Blu-rays. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you, you and I and my boys right now could probably walk 10 feet and virtually watch almost any movie we'd ever want to see right now. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like that then. I mean, the uh, the thought of tearing apart the Sunday newspaper and hoping for a Godzilla movie to be on just to get burned again. You know, you'd go to Horror Incorporated and hope to see Godzilla King of the Monsters and it'd be the black cat. You'd go, what? You know, and not that that's not a great movie. It was usually I was going to say, hold on a minute. Black yeah, Cat's yeah, a good yeah, film. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I, but I hear what you're saying. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you totally. You know, I probably should use like the Wasp wound, you know, which is which is a great movie. I love all these movies. Like, there's nothing I can use. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't use Equinox. That's a great one. You know, you yep. can't these these movies that the Giant people, Claw. The Giant Claw is great. You know, it's the cheesy. Black Cat is great. White Zombie is great. You know. uh all of these movies that, you know... How about The Man the Time for God? The Land of Time for God is awesome. American International presents The Land that Time Forgot, an astounding motion picture based on the book by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Travel through an underwater passage and discover an awesome prehistoric world. Fight for your life against the terrifying creatures of a lost continent. It's action, danger, and adventure on an epic scale. The land that time forgot. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. You know, you'd always put, I, I, I was when I was a kid though, all honesty, I was almost all about giant monsters though. Sure. And so I was always lost. looking through the TV. Oh, I love Land of the Lost. I was always looking for giant monster stuff. And uh, so but that's when I started buying uh, Super 8 films. And like I said, now, you know, I've I've taken it to a different extreme. I've got really rare films that are hard to find. You know, I just, I got really excited and I, and I know I put it on monster kid radio. I just found a, uh, a super eight digest for the original Gojira in Japanese, you know? Oh, and, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's fun. And it's, you know, once again, it's like sharing it with people. I mean, my favorite thing is like when we were talking about the monster kid society or these conventions is going there. And it's almost like whipping out your pictures in your wallet. Here's my family and people run away you know, it's like, <laughs> look, here's my kids and my wife. Yeah, that's my dog. And they're like, get away from me, you know. But with uh, the movies, people really seem to enjoy it. It's, it's really awesome how many people come to the sessions and sit down and watch the movie. It's so much fun. It's, it's, I, I, I would go as far to say it's pure magic in my life. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. And when I said earlier, I mean, you know what you're doing. You know what you're talking about. I can. I was going to use that to segue into Big in Japan. Yeah. Oh. Uh, which, which is something. Away, away. Yeah. Yeah. I want. I want to talk about Big in Japan because there's two volumes now. You mentioned a third in the series. It's a series of books. It's it's basically a rock and roll kaiju novel. It is. It, it's it's a rock and roll kaiju story. You've taken things that you know and that you love, and you've poured them into this awesome piece of fiction that I've read both of them. I dig. I, I enjoy them both. I enjoy them both. Thank uh, you. Did I nail it? Rock and roll kaiju, basically, right? That, that, that's it. That, that's totally it. And if you're if you're unfamiliar with the story, it's basically about LA musicians that. And, and I've been playing music in and touring since I was 16. So I've played in bands. I've played as a side musician. Um, I've, you know, done a lot of, uh, uh, 
like recordings and sessions and demo, you know, all the radio jing- jingles and all that kind of stuff. So I've kind of done a couple. I I lived in Vegas for a while playing all Steve Wynn properties. So I've I've kind of done everything musically except being a famous man. <laughs> and that's kind of what this book is about. It takes a guy. Uh, his name's Tommy Lynn Taylor and and Nathan Fox, and they're two musicians in a bar band out of Los Angeles, and they do what a what a lot of players do, and I've done this too. You know, you you can create tours over in Europe. You can go play pubs, and you go. I'm going on a European tour, and you get some great places to play. You usually, don't make much money, but you meet a lot of fans, and you know, you sure. you get the word out there, and people get to enjoy your music, and you get to go to Europe. Same thing with Japan. You know, a lot of people go, if it's not with the USO, you need to set up shows where you play what are called live houses. And live houses are, are basically, they're bars, they're nightclubs and all of that. And that's what this story's about. And these, these two guys go there in a last ditch effort to save their, save their band. And they get caught in between a fight between, um, a, uh, a, kai, a daikaiju and, and a robot. And that segues into the whole thing where they're drafted by this, this super secret government agency that, uh, is called the EIO. And yeah, there's a lot of EIEIO jokes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, they're offered fame and fortune because they never found it. And it's like, I know there's a lot of music, a lot of musicians are horror monster fans. You know, right. it's just kind of comes part of it. We love music. We love art. We love monsters horrors kaiju all that so a lot of for a lot of us is kind of a hand-in-hand thing you know and uh so if, if you were ever touring and you were sleeping in the back of the station wagon with you know four other smelling guys eating ramen noodles and making twenty dollars a night and instead of you know if you can't afford ramen noodles you have to buy guitar strings just so you can play you know i did that for a long time so if some secret agency says, look, we'll give you fame and fortune, but what you have to do is you have to power this mech. So that's what they do. And, of course, they take it. They say, yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of different things in the book. Like the whole agency is based off of rock stars. And I'm not going to tell you who any of them are. If you read it, you can maybe figure out who they are. Right. You know, because it never says, you know, and maybe they aren't, you know, Um and it's funny because, you know, they're not like a Nickelodeon band. I mean, there's there, there's a scene where they can't pilot the mech because the lead singer's too drunk. Because <laughs> you know? they're rock stars, you know. They, you know, they're, they're, they don't drink Kool-Aid. They're rock stars. Can I make a guess yeah. of what the rock band is? Yes. I may be the, his child, but he's never told me the real thing. Okay. I'm saying Kiss. It's You know, it's growing up, Kiss was my favorite band. And there's a lot of Kiss references in, in, in the story, and just because I love Kiss, sure. you know. And it's funny because like Tommy has ADD really bad, and uh, he, he's really based off of me, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Sore throat spray. I like SpongeBob, and uh, so he's, he's he's one place at one time, and then he's somewhere else in the next section. He even talks about that, but there's one time where he. He starts having a, an ADD attack, and it's because the ship has a sonic boom. And it starts off with the sonic boom of the, the ship going all the way to the sonic boom album that Kiss released. And he ADDs himself back to normal. <laughs> you know, there's just 
there's a lot of band references and there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of kaiju references. The characters and the monsters are all my own um, because I wanted it to be my story. And I, you know, and I, uh, I I don't want Toho to come after me because they will. Um, Toho uh, is very protective. They are. (laughs) Bless their hearts. They are protective. And and, and rightly so. I mean, not faulting them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it went crazy for a while. I mean, it's like, Everybody had Zilla in their name, no matter what they were doing. You know, uh, Burger Zilla, you know, uh, Phone Zilla, Car Zilla, Car Wash Zilla, you know. And uh, but the stories are they're fairly lighthearted, but there's always an underlining story, you know, as the hero journey embarks, you know. But I try to keep it fun. But there's some stuff that's really near and dear to me in the story and uh, in both books. And in the first book, Tommy's the protagonist. And in the second book, Nathan's the protagonist, but both Tommy and Nathan are based off of my life at different points of my life. Gotcha. So it's kind of fun. And I'm going to credit that to Alan O.W. Barnes, who said to do the second book from Nathan's perspective. He's been more than an artist, too, in the series. He's really, you know, it was his idea to do a cowboy robot, which I really love. You know, and oh, it, I love that. I absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah. And it's the whole idea of saying, you know, instead of it being a Japanese heritage being a shogun or a samurai warrior because the Americans forced this robot because the kaiju problem has advanced past Japanese border. And now there's trouble in on U.S. soil. So the Americans, the Yanks, forced them to take this robot that they made in accordance to their heritage, which is a giant cowboy. And that was Alan's idea. Mine was my idea to call him the Duke. And uh, <laughs> so, But it's a lot of fun. But the stories are good. And Tommy's hero journey is really good. And the whole thing about the book that really made me happy was, you know, when, when I grew up, I was a, I was a kid who – was huge. I was a short kid with a bowl cut, weighed about, you know, 150 pounds. And, you know, they call me cage ball in school, you know, and if you, if you're not familiar with a cage ball, some schools call them earth, earth balls are like a ball that's like six feet in diameter, you know? And so I was, I was an Uber, Uber geek. And, uh, and then it came a point in my life to try to get some confidence and to try to be cool. I want to play guitar, man. And uh, I've been fairly successful as a musician. I've made a living off it um, since I was 16 years old, which is 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 good to make a living, you know. Um, but you know, the whole thing about when you grow up like that, and you know, we're we're different, you know, us us monster guys, we're different, you know. We're we're deep, thoughtful, wonderful human beings, and we've got our own way of thinking. And when I was a kid growing up, a lot of people didn't like the way I thought. So I've being a, a little monster nerd, you know, being 150 pounds, I'd wear shirts that were too tight. My my big belly would be hanging out and there'd be King Kong on the shirt, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's you know, you just you're making yourself an easy target, you know. So there was a lot, you know, as I grew up, there was a lot of uh, self-doubt. And, you know, just, you know, you know, combating with myself about not necessarily being happy with who I am and all that. And and in my life, um, I chose to try to drink it away. And I've been clean for 25 years now. And all of this kind of comes out in the book. That's the underlining story. And I always said if one person read the story as Tommy figures out who he is and actually starts to like himself and not care what other people think about them, then I've done my job. And I've gotten a lot of people that come up and say, I love Tommy. 
I'm Tommy. They come up and say that, you know, right on, right you on. Just, you just think there's a lot of Tommies. There's a lot of people out there like that, you know, and it's like, you know, we're all great people and we all, you know, are just fascinating people who love monsters and love music and all that, you know, and, um, you know, at least me, I'm not going to say other people, but I know that sometimes, you know, I just would really rake myself over the coals about who I was and what I liked. And you know what? It took me a long time to come with terms like, I love who I am and I love what I do. I love my family. I love rock music. I love all music. I love monsters. I love being able to come on Monster Kid Radio. I love that my boys are here. <laughs> I love that it drives my wife crazy. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? I mean. Oh, my God, what a great life. And that's kind of what Tommy figures out. Oh, my God, what a great life, you know. So that's that's always, that's the underlining story of the first book. And then uh, the second one gets a little uh, more into Nathan, which is, you know, a different character who has his own set of problems. Now, I'm not going to say much other because you have the premise of the story, but the third book is called Annihilator. And that'll be coming out in the summer of 2019. And it's going to be a free for all. It's going to be, it's going to be the destroy all monsters of the big in Japan series, you know? And, uh, Oh wow. Yeah. It's just, it's all coming. It's all coming to, uh, hopefully a, a big glorious Steven Spielberg type ending. You know, it's fun. I've had to go back and reread the books and it's like visiting an old friend and Alan Barnes, once again, is doing a, a side story of uh, a character. So it's kind of nice to be kind of reading these books again. It's like visiting old friends and catching all these things, you know, so you can kind of keep your plots on course and, and sure, hit on sure. some things that come up. But it's been really fun. It's enabled me to meet a lot of people. It's enabled me to go places I wouldn't have been able to go and meet actors that I wouldn't have been able to meet. And, uh, you know, and I got to put out a big, big giant shout out to Robert Scott Field, who let me use his likeness as the Android Scott in the series. You know, I, I mean, and it's funny because Scott and I have become, he's one of my best friends on the planet. You know, he comes into town for G Fest, he comes here for a week, you know, and he brings stuff from Japan and we sit around the table with the boys and we, goof around and you know we play guitar because he's a singer songwriter mm. i've done two of his cds wow how cool and, is that yeah dude i'm big in, i'm big in japan i've got <laughs> i've got an airplane in japan but yeah we've done two cds <laughs> and you know he's doing a lot over there he has his own radio show and he still does a lot of appearances but you know he's the body trainer too and he does a lot of positive motivational seminars and he goes to korea he goes to china he comes here He's been a big influence on my life. And, you know, so it's fun to read that because it's Tommy's based off of me. And it's like kind of Scott is Scott and Tommy and Scott become fairly close. And it's kind of fun, their relationship, considering he's an android. And, and Scott did a real, real solid for me. And he introduced me to Akira Takarada who also a few years ago agreed to let me use his likeness in the series. So when you, when you read the story and, 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 and this is a great story and I, I know I've got billions of them. I had to go through his offices and I had to go through his uh, English liaison. I wrote him a very formal letter, you know, saying I was referred to, you You know, I met you at G Fest, blah, blah, blah. I told you about this, you know, it's like, I'm taking another step further, sent him, 
you know, a letter through his liaison saying, sure. you know, is there any way I could do this? And he's like, yeah, send me pictures, send me parts of the story and all of this. So I'm like, wow, okay. He's, he's going to say no. You know, I sent him these, these pictures that were drafted for the book. And even though I wrote the first book before I did this and the character was Dr. Takarada, it mm-hmm. wasn't Akira Takarada because once again, I don't, I don't want to use their likenesses or their images without their consent. Right. You know, these are highly respected actors, you know, especially Takarada. I mean, he's a, he's a freaking kaiju icon. So I sent him pictures of it and I told how in the first book, the character Kiyoshi Takarada is a doctor who lost his great grandfather in the fifties to the first radioactive kaiju that ever attacked Japan. And this is, this is in the second book and it doesn't say who that kaiju from the fifties is, you know, it just said that it took his grandfather and why he works for the, the Fuji, which is a branch of the earth intelligence agency or organization is because they give him the means to fight back. And, you know, the only way you can fight kaiju is to be brilliant and uh, use your brain or create monsters, create max, you know, uh, use other means. Create the Duke. Yeah, the Duke and all that. (laughs) And I sent him all of this stuff. And about a month later, I got an email saying he's agreed to use it. And there was a side note saying, I think he's agreed to do this because his father's name was Kiyoshi Takarada. And I had no idea. I had no idea. So the character was named after his father before I even knew. Even though Takarada, when I think about Takarada, of course I'm thinking about Akira Takarada, but I'd never used their image or likeness. So in the first book, there's nothing there. The character is just Dr. Takarada, Dr. Kiyoshi Takarada. But after that, so in the second book, you read the image, he's on the cover, you know, and you see his face on there. So, you know, and Scott made all of that happen. So I've, Man, I've gotten to work. With, I've gotten to to work with some really awesome guys. I'll tell you a story that's really funny. Is his English is is okay, Takarada, mm-hmm. and I had talked to him and set it up. And when uh, we did the video for him and Nakajima down at uh, Spooky Empire in Orlando, uh, my Jeffrey and I went, and uh, I had a big, big in Japan poster that was made by the wonderful Jazz Ingram, and he's done. He did the artwork for the audiobook. And my audio CD, the purple CD. So he did a couple full-size posters for me. And the Takarada that I use is the 60s era. So you think of Akira Takarada from Monster Zero or King sure. Kong Escapes, yeah, yeah. Attitude Zero. And so I, I bring it up to Takarada because I want him to sign it. And he's looking at it. And he looks up and he points at it. And he goes, that's me. <laughs> and I'm standing there and I'm like, yeah. I'm going, uh Bigu Nippon uh, Takarada Kaiju. He, and he's looking at he's looking at me and he, he just points at himself and goes, that's me. You know, and I'm going, <laughs> oh, shoot. You know? and, and then I, I'm going, uh, Bigu Japan, you know, and he goes, and I pointed at him and I went, Kiyoshi Takarada. And he went, Oh, big in Japan. Kiyoshi ah, Takarada. And I went, nice. Oh, God, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> After all the books came out and the posters came out, I'm like, He's not going to remember. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, I was like, 
what, 49 when that happened. Now I'm like 65. <laughs> 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 Aged that much. But just one, wonderful people, ago. you know. It, just wonderful people, you know. And and everybody a G fan and G fest. Oh, we're so supportive of it. You know, just just great people, you know. Thank you for asking me about it. You know, it's something that's very near and dear to me. And, I'm, you know, it's opened some doors. It's enabled me to write uh, a couple articles for Mad Scientist magazine. and uh, Another great couple, magazine. Another know, great magazine. I know. And, uh, you know, I got to have a story in the, the, the book that Mark Maddox did the wonderful Rodan cover for. Um so there's there's a great story, well, a great cover with my story in there about about collecting Super 8 millimeter monster movies, you know. And then uh, in the next episode with another cover that Mark Maddox did with the Cylons, yeah. or no, it was uh, Zygons. Zygons are on it from Doctor Who. Um, uh, they had me write the story about going to the movies when you're a kid. So it's a lot of stuff that I kind of talk about now, but man. You know, it's it's just done so much, and I'm I'm lucky that my wife is brilliant, who painstakingly helps me with the editing on a lot of this stuff. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just an idiot who's surrounded himself by some really talented and wonderful people. You know, but uh, I love the stories. You know, it's it's not War and Peace. You're not going to get War and Peace. So if that's what you're expecting, <laughs> you know, and, and it is available on Amazon, Amazon.com, yeah. and there's. 14 great reviews and there's one from some guy who just hated it. So, <laughs> and of uh, course that's the well, one I always think about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sure, no, 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 we don't need to go there. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's, that's what's yeah. awesome e- e- about it. Even if they're wrong. Well, thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for that, you know. But, you know, it's it's all part of it. And it's, you know, it's actually more real when you have people that are buying it and you break out of your warm audience, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, cause that means people are actually buying it for what it is and they're not buying it just cause they know who you are, you know, on a friend basis. You know, I've, I've sold a lot of CDs to friends and family, you know, it's like selling Kirby vacuums, <laughs> you know? but when, uh, when people start reading your stuff and you have no idea who they are, you know, uh, you know, ex-girlfriend and they absolutely hate it, you know, um, <laughs> You know that you're reaching a real audience, so so that's a good thing, you know. And uh, I and I love writing it just because it's 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 done a lot, you know. It's intru- like I said, it's introduced me to a lot of people, a lot of wonderful artists, a lot of wonderful podcasters like yourself, you know. Been able to go on a lot of shows. Uh, Scott Field and I did numerous interviews, and Alan O. W. Barnes and myself were guests at uh, San Diego Comic Con. Uh, with Jessica Tsang, it was awesome. We did a panel with Steve Rifle, and uh, boy, it, it was just it was and some other really great uh, folks who are really knowledgeable about kaiju. And uh, so, Big in Japan brought me to Los Angeles to one of the conventions I always wanted to go to. You know, so uh, man, hey, there gosh, you go. I can't complain too much. It's really opened a door, you know, because I tell you, dude, I I love playing, but man, I. Uh, I just turned down a tour. I just, I don't want to go touring anymore unless, you know, I can bring the boys and my wife along going to, I'd rather go to conventions and stuff than, you know, where they're having a blast and we're all kind of hanging out as a family. I'm just, I'm at that point in my life. I want to play music and I want to write monster stories and watch monster movies and hang out with my wife and kids. It's just kind of where it's at. Nothing wrong with that at all, man. No, sir. And good friends too. Good friends too. I don't want to forget about that. And I've made some, some really grand ones. I, I am truly one of the luckiest guys on the planet. 
So we've talked about Big in Japan. Um, we should probably talk about the H Man. Yeah, well, I was going to say <laughs> we didn't have to do some fancy editing. Hey, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> this is what happens though when monster kids start talking. This this is what happens. We just go all over the place. What about this thing? That remember that movie, and then that happened in this movie. Uh, we, we we touched on some things about the H Man. Uh, my favorite scene. We talked about some of your kids' favorite. What's your favorite scene, Tim? There's so much great stuff about H Man. Um, I love the ghost ship scene. I absolutely love the ghost ship scene. And there's there's some things that you need to be aware of when you watch the H Man that just makes it so much more enjoyable. First, it's Toho. Um, but when it was, uh, distributed, uh, to the United States, Columbia picked it up. So if you see the American version, uh, it's distributed by Columbia and they also did battle in outer space, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which I think this same year, wasn't it? Um, right around there, uh, right around the same time. I'd have Earth, to double check for life as outlaw planet launches sneak attack. Flying saucers lay waste world's greatest cities. Space enemies already on moon. Battle in outer space in spectacular color and Toho scope. World scientists determine secret space weapon is diabolical freeze ray. It is clear from an examination of the circumstances that there was a common force at work in each instance. By rapidly lowering the temperature of a certain object, its gravity would also be decreased. See space saboteurs seize control of men's minds by radio thought waves. See beautiful Earth girl seized by monsters from the planet Natal. See final universe-shaking deadly struggle for survival. See battle in outer space. So it's Toho, and if you watch the beginning credits, which I'm sure you have, I mean, it's it's Toho All-Stars. First off, it's produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka, who produced almost, if maybe not all, of the kaiju films of the Showa era. But And he definitely did all the Godzilla movies, starting with Gojira all the way up to Destroya. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was directed by the greatest Shiro Honda. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what do you say about him? <laughs> I mean, just, you know, I mean, that's going to lead me down the whole Akira Kurosawa road. And then the, the special effects, uh, Iji Saburaya. And one of our favorite topics, uh, Derek and I, is the music was Masudo Seto. Oh, the music is so good. There is something about the music. I love it. Oh, right? There's something about the music from these Japanese monster movies. I mean, they have such a distinct identity. Uh, they, they immediately take you there. And there's just, they're magical. It's totally different than anything that was happening in the West. And you can't say he's better or worse than Afuku Bay, who I love Afuku yeah. Bay. I mean, that's like, you know, you're driving down the road listening to the Eagles and and singing along. You know, I'm I'm driving down the road going da 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 you know, tilting my head like, you know, Wayne's World, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know. I love them. And one of the greatest things that one of my greatest kaiju memories, another one from G-Fest was when uh, John DeSantis, he conducted and Chris Olio helped put the whole thing together. And I know there were some other people involved and forgive me if I don't mention them by name, but um, John conducted it and they did. Yes. To see that stuff performed live, John did such a fabulous job. And it was all of Fuku Bay music. They did one the next year called uh, Symphonic Fury. 
which was really good too. But it, it branched off from uh, Afukube into some other wonderful Japanese composers. Yeah. Um, but this was so special to see this and to hear that stuff live and uh, to hear those parts that are just in your bones that you grew up with. He had four upright basses up there. Whoa, 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 wow. whoa. I mean, it rattled. It's, it's like Monster Zero. It'll rattle your teeth, man. It was so awesome. It was just powerful. You know, albums are great, but, you know, you, you know it's it's almost like when you go see a band live. You know, you, you may or may not like a song that they, they do. Maybe you just sort of know it's there, and you go see them live, and they play the song live, and you go, whoa. I get it now. You know, mm-hmm. it was like that. It was like, remember that Jeffrey? Dan was a little too young, but I was able to experience that with Jeffrey. And, I and that. I oh, it was, yeah, yeah, it, you, you did. But man, it was, it was strong for me. So there's, you know, and I'm saying all that to say that I don't like, yeah, Fukube is my favorite, but there's no way that I would say anything bad about Sado. It's just different. You know, it's it's a different kind of music. And I wondered, you know, like uh, Fukube, they branched off in different ways. But, you know, I always feel a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, Fukube's wonderful music was based off of military marches, you know, that kind of feel. And and obviously he had other stuff, too. You know, um, Sato to me sort of has almost more of a an uplifting celebrational feel to it. I don't hmm. know if that makes sense. A lot of his music, you listen to it, and it starts kind of slow, and it's da 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 da, and it kind of branches out, and the music almost explodes. Um, that's kind of you know we all hear music differently and get different things about it, but man, you know, just such great stuff. And and I got to tell you, folks, did a little investigating. I found out so I and I was telling Derek earlier. I think that some of his work with the flexitone may have influenced Afukube a little bit just because of when the movies came out. And, of course, I'm talking about the H-Man, which was 58, Mm -hmm. when he used – here, I love this. And if you're not familiar with the flexitone, I'm going to familiarize with it right now. Here we go. Can you hear that there? Okay, in the movies, Sato uses that quite often. You can't really hear the, the, the clinking of it. You just hear more of the the rise in pitch. It almost has a saw-like quality. If you've ever heard a saw being played with a violin bow, very theremin-esque. But then, if you listen to like that, and then you listen to, and once again, this you know, I this is no basis in fact. This is just you know what I gather because I'm like you. I love to listen to soundtracks, and then you hear something like from the same studio and the same actors and a lot of the same, you hear things that are familiar. You go, that's kind of cool. And you think of like, or the gargantuas where you hear this at the very beginning, you know? And mm-hmm. so the first thing I think about is Saburaya's ghost ship and Sato's theme. Now it's a Fukube's theme and Saburaya's ship, you know, it's, it's just so cool. And uh, that may have been a saw that that a Fukube used, but that's a flexitone that uh, Sato uses. And that movie is just so wonderful, and his nightclub music is just great. Another reason why I love that sequence so much is that music and the, the just it's so frenetic and everything's kind of happening. I just love it. I adore it. The, the, the once again the ghost ship music is great, and 
once again, this song kind of has its very own words get stuck in my throat with the magic begins. <laughs> you know, when Yubi comes out and sings that, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it has a That's whole also thing. gargantuous. Oh, uh, gargantuous. Remember the words yeah, get yeah. stuck in no, my throat? No, I'm saying because that, but the, the, they were both. Gargantuous. Yeah, and it's from the gargantuous again, which is kind of cool. So, but, and you know, it's funny is that, you know, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the Japanese version of it. There's the Columbia Distributed, which also I've got to say has the wonderful Paul Freeze on it, and <laughs> oh, he did several yeah, movies yeah. for Toho. I think he does about four voices in this, you know. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. It's funny because in the Japanese version, the song's in English in that one as well. So, yeah, I noticed that. You know, those are a few things that I just really thought were great and you know staying on the on the music you know for a second you know uh no sato as far as i can figure has worked with uh some of the greatest toho he worked with uh kira kurosawa he did Mm -hmm. the music for redbeard and you know i don't know how much stuff he did with honda um i know he did half human he did a lot of stuff with june fukuda you know who did uh uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, Son of Godzilla, and Sea Monster. Godzilla versus you know Ebera, you know, and you listen to that music and it's it's different, you know, especially Son of Godzilla. There's some really there's some wacky minion music in that one, that's for sure, you know, and uh, and of course you know he, uh, you know, he, <laughs> which one of you is doing that? Come on, <laughs> that's, that's Jeffrey. Me. That's Jeffrey. You're, you're gonna get that stuck in my head, man. <laughs> I think no Daniel's falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's Daniel's Coke wore off his Coca Cola and he's he's crashed in the corner. So, uh, <laughs> but Jeffrey's still hanging. He's hanging tough with me. The stars. This this is one thing we got to hit on. Yeah. The stars. Yes. It is a, a Toho all star a go go cast and um, <laughs> Toho a go go. Has anybody used that for anything? Come on. They probably will now. You know, I have yeah. that Facebook page called Kaiju a go go. So. There you uh, go. Everything becomes a go-go to me, you know. What you making for dinner? A go-go, hon. You know, and uh, <laughs> but you know, first uh, the top billing is Yumi Shirakawa, who is awesome. And I was always a little more partial to Yumi, a little more than Kumi. You know, not that there's anything wrong with Ms. Namikawa. So you, if you want to put a face to it, she was also in Rodan. She was kind of paired up with Kenji Sahara, who we'll talk about next. And she was in the Mysterians and, of course, the H-Man. She's wonderful. And I think she was in The Last War, too. And Have you ever seen that? I have not. I was even going to say I've not seen The Mysterians yet. So, Okay, do you want to say goodbye? Bye, Derek. Hey, bye, man. It's good talking to you. It's nice meeting you. Yep, you too. See ya. All right. Have a good one. So Yumi Shirakawa, she was in Rodan, uh, The Mysterians, uh, The H-Man, and I'm pretty sure she's in the last war too. And okay. Have you seen the last war? I want to say, I think I have, but man, they blend together after a while. So yeah. I'm not, I haven't seen it. I want to you hear. He hasn't seen Mysterians. Oh, have, have you seen Mysterians? I have not seen Mysterians yet. I'm actually going to be covering that later this, Oh, uh, probably beginning of June actually with somebody. So yeah, that's, that's a lot fun. of fun. That's a lot of fun. Mogera is awesome in that. I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. We I, have an authentic movie poster. Yeah, we do. We have a, uh, we found uh, an authentic Mysterians movie poster. Which we, really we, we have a lot of authentic movie posters we, at our house. Sean Lincolnback helped us get, well, he helped me, uh, 
When nice. I, yeah, well, I talked. He's the greatest. He helps me get some cool stuff, you know. <laughs> but uh, when I found the poster, I, I'm calling, well, it's not glossy. He's going, it should be mad if it's authentic. I'm like, well, it is mad. That's authentic. Quit bothering me. <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> they, they, he's, he's, he's wonderful. So, um, and then, uh, of course, Kenji Sahara. And I believe Kenji Sahara has been in more kaiju films than any other Toho actor. And I think, uh, no, I think it's more than Takarada. And I think it's more than uh, Akihiko Harada. Who we'll talk about next, but just so you know, he is he was Sarazawa in the original Gojira. But Kenji Sahara was Dr. Masada in this. And he's the guy who's trying to convince Akihiko Harata, once again Sarazawa, that mm-hmm. he thinks, look, it's not gangsters, dude. This is this is something a lot bigger. And I'm gonna kill about six frogs to prove it to you. <laughs> It's like what? Yeah, I was like, what? Wait a minute! I actually backed up to move, backed it up, and I was like, they did not just, they did, they did, they did do that. Well, did you ever hear the story about King Kong versus Godzilla? How one of Saburai's crews crew members ran out and got the octopus used right? it for the fight scene, and then they cooked it up afterwards. It's like, come on, man! At lunch. <laughs> Oh, they but, frog legs. Yeah, they, those are some big frogs, yeah, man. Yeah. Those have been some wonderful frog legs. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so Kenji Sahara, <laughs> who was also, anyway, I think he's good. been in more. He was actually in the in the Showa, Heisei, and Millennium series. He was he was in in movies in all of those series, and he was in uh, Rodan too, of course. He was also in uh, some Ultraman episodes. So he's great. He was. Uh, he was Ichiro's dad too in Godzilla's Revenge. Hey dad, Ichiro. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's uh, Akihiko. I think that's how you pronounce it, or Ak- yeah, Akihiko Harata once again, who's uh, Sarazawa. And, and Derek, you too, forgive me if I'm pronouncing any of these wrong. But hey, have you heard previous episodes of this show? I get all the international names <laughs> wrong. <It's- laughs> yeah. So. You know, you hang around Robert Scott Field a little bit, you get corrected enough. It's not Ghidorah, it's Ghidorah, okay? <laughs> so you're like, okay, it's Ghidorah from now on. Um, but, I mean, he speaks fluent Japanese, man, so I'm going with that. Yeah, you don't, don't, don't argue with him, Eleven. Oh, no, thanks. Uh, those look great. <laughs> you know what's great about him is, like, Derek, so he's, of course, he's he's Sarazawa, right, in Gojira? Right, right. And, you know, and he's wearing the eye patch, right? Mm-hmm. And he's also the the evil ship captain in Godzilla versus the sea monster, right? Right. But right. he's got the patch on the other side, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's on his. I think it's on his right eye in Gojira. Yeah, and it's on, there. It is right there. Yeah, I got pictures of it. It's like it's on his left eye here. <laughs> I used to be totally blind. And he was also in uh, Mecha Godzilla and Son of Godzilla, Ghidra Gorath, the Mysterians, just. Just tons of stuff. So Lots of stuff. He, he's yeah. a pretty easy one to, to put a face to. And then uh, I got to tell you who uh, I like. Uh, we call this the Toho That Guy segment. Yoshifumi Tajima. Okay. And he played uh, Detective Sakata in the movie. I think most people – he was he always played like a military kind of guy. He was in Rodan. Um, but I think most, most people would recognize him as – Kumiyama, the entrepreneur in Godzilla vs. Mothra or Godzilla vs. The Thing. He's the guy who blows cigarette smoke 
and works with Kenji Sahara. He's also in the H-Man. When he gets it by the H, his big spoiler, it's wonderful to see that guy melt. I mean, it's... it's he the H-Man. Yeah. It's the H-Man just gobbles. Yeah, he well. comes at it. Was it his fist? That he, yeah, yeah, he was holding his gun. He was he, yeah, he, he's going to pistol whip him. <laughs> pistol slap with him. And it's like, nope. <laughs> and uh, so he's great, too. And uh, he was in... Uh, a couple uh, ultra cues too. Okay, now we're going to get into some really cool stuff. Some real cool Toho that guy stuff. Okay, so you may be familiar with this. Now, my favorite scene again in the movie is the ghost ship scene. Mine too. And what I really love about that scene, first, uh, there's a couple aspects, but I love Senkichi Omura. And if you're not familiar with him, he was a character actor from Toho. If I mention the name, you don't know who I'm talking about. But if I tell you the characters, you're going to know. So do you want to tell them that one? <laughs> He's the Man guy. Ho! Man Ho! And King Kong, King Kong versus, Godzilla. versus Godzilla. He's the guy that has all the natives, the cigarettes. Yeah, he's Gilligan. <laughs> he goes, Chief said you stay, but not responsible if you die by monsters. You know, all that. So he's the guy who puts his... He's the Gilligan-looking guy, and he's also... In uh, uh, Gives It the Three-Headed Monster, he's the guy who goes down into the, the pit before Rodan comes out to fetch the guy's hat. Okay? I'll do it for 50 yen. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it for 50 yen, yeah. Yeah. And he is the first victim on the ship of the H-Man. He's he the guy. On the captain's he, he, he's uniform. trying to put the pants on. I just want to put the pants on. And then he gets mauled. <laughs> and uh, what's funny is um, one of the sailors that's with him is actually... One of the one of the rare times you see Haruo Nakajima out of a kaiju suit, so he is one of the sailors in that scene. So it's kind of Who fun. Also gets gobbled. Yeah, yeah, he he gets killed too. He's the second guy that gets <laughs> killed. Nakajima gets killed, but he's the guy who has like the headband kind of thing on, and he's he's a he's a bigger guy comparative to the other sailors that he's with. So he's the second victim that gets uh, taken by the H man on the ship. And it's fun. Uh, it's fun seeing him get it. And the other guy, uh, do you remember the captain? He had a, like the Japanese World War II hat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he's the one who reads through the captain's log and all of this. That's right. Katsumi Tezuka, who also donned the kaiju suits a lot. So, I mean, we're all, you know, everybody knows Nakajima in the kaiju area or mm-hmm. kaiju arena. Nakajima, Nakajima. But he actually played Godzilla 2 a couple times. And uh, I believe he he co-did Godzilla uh, Gojira in the 54 with Nakajima. So it was fun to see him. I, I'm going to just play it safe and say I'm 99.9% sure of that. So I'm going to cover okay. my butt. Um the last guy is indeed a that guy. He is such a that guy that I have nothing but his face and the word that guy. And I wish I could hold it up now. But if you're listening to the podcast right now as it airs, you can go on Derek's wonderful uh, Facebook page, the Monster Kid Radio page, and you can see a list of all of these that guys. Because yep. the other guy, he's like... He's in King Kong versus Godzilla. He's in Frankenstein Conquers the World. He's in the H-Man. He's, he's one of their character actors that really had very small speaking parts, but you see him in so many of these movies. And he always has just real, almost like a baby face, don't yeah. you think? 
has a very young look to him. But in the 20 years, I think I've seen him in, in uh, kaiju films or Toho movies. He always had that young look. So, uh, right. But you, you're going to have to look at the Facebook page for that guy to see that guy. And then uh, this guy had a hard one in the movie. Yoshio Tushuya. Tushushia. It's a hard one to pronounce. Uh, he was Detective Taguchi. And uh, this guy, you may recognize him. Uh, he was in Monster Zero. And once again, I'm going to go with 99.9% sure. I'm pretty sure he was the controller, uh, the head controller. But he was definitely one of the Axians. And in later years, he showed up in the Heisei series in Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Speaking of that, he was Shindo. Remember Shindo? Um, who gets okay. blasted by Godzilla's ray from his office. He's looking out the skyscraper window. And yeah. Godzilla comes out from outside and... Godzilla lets him have it with his atomic ray. Um, did a lot of stuff for uh, uh, Akira Kurosawa, who, you know, if you're a fan of Japanese cinema and a fan of Toho and a fan of Ishiro Honda, if you haven't done so, you might want to check out some Kurosawa films. They're really good. They're a lot of samurai-based stuff. Um, and if I had to say pick one, of course, I'll go with the ever-popular Seven Samurai which uh, sure. is so awesome. And that, that's another movie that's a lot like this, where you see all of these great Toho character actors. And uh, Honda, Ashura Honda, loved Kurosawa's almost documentary style of film, you know, that you can kind of see in, uh, in the original Gojira. And I believe it's kind of the same thing they went for with Shin Godzilla, the sort of, capture that essence of the original, you know, to mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. deal with more of what's going on and what's happening in the, the chaos of what's happening and how to deal with it as opposed to, you know, big giant love triangles and all that, even though there was some of that in the first one with uh, Akira Takarada and uh, Eniko, her character. So, but man, I, I got to tell you, if you haven't seen the H-Man, and you're a fan of Kaiju and a fan of Toho, I think you'll enjoy it. I really do. It's a lot of fun. The music is great, like what we were talking about before. It has just right. this great feel to it. There's a couple of humorous spots, and even though the effects, there's not too many miniatures, man, it's just wonderful, and it's just you can just tell. The Kaiju genre, I, I love all genres. I mean, I, I love horror. Right. I love sci-fi. I love... Uh, I love newer horror too, and um, I love mystery. And you know, we're big, we're big Bond fans. We love James Bond, you know, and all that. You know, so I, I love all styles. But I will, I will say that kaiju is my favorite genre. But you know, you look at those ships, and it's like, did he take one of those ghost ships and put it in storage, and then use it for War of the Gargantuas? <laughs> you know, because I know they'd reuse a lot of stuff, and I know Saburaya rebuilt a lot of stuff too because he was just such a perfectionist you know right you were talking about g fan and this great article came out for king Ghidra's uh 50th i think it was last year uh jd lee's did this wonderful story they show this in, in the movie it's nagoya i'm almost sure it's nagoya that gets trashed not tokyo you know where the 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 rides are and the amusement park and you see all that stuff getting wrecked if you remember right. those scenes, there's this picture in there where they show all of the crew working on that set. Nice. It's, 
It's amazing. It's gigantic. And you look at it, and if you took, you know, the stage lighting and the men out of the picture, it, it, it would look like a real city. I, I mean, it's just, it's meticulous. It's just wonderful. And seeing that stuff in other elements is is really fun, other than, you know, a kaiju movie. But I will say that was my love for kaiju and my love for Toho movies that brought me to the H-Man, of course. Well, it's a solid film. I, I'm really excited that uh, we got to talk about it. I've got to start wrapping up here, guys. But Sure, bud. I um, get it. Is there the editing booth for about three days? Ah, man, trying to fine. cut this down. <laughs> I love this stuff. I love audio production, so I'm I'm okay with that. But I, I want to thank you guys for doing this. Are there any final thoughts about H Man before we sign off? Just that it's you know the colors are very vibrant. It's a really nice, colorful movie for 1958. They just jump out at you, and I'd recommend it. I highly recommend it. Now, if you had to pick. Gojira or the H-Man, thankfully you don't, I'd say, of course, pick Gojira, <laughs> you know, but, you know, if you're sort of a, you know, like us, we love to kind of dabble in all of this craziness and, you know, I, I just highly recommend it. That's not for everybody because you're not going to get, you're not going to get bombastic special effects. You know, I can't say you're not going to get cities aflame because you'll get that, right. you know, but right. uh, <laughs> just the story is good. And I love the idea that they're trying to stop the next evolution of man, which is the H man, you know, if they did a remake or the uh, sequel, they probably have to call it H men. I, I just really think that's really cool, you know, and hitting it's more to me than just the whole fifties era of radioactive monsters. It, it's, it's different to me. Sure. What about you, Jeffrey? You got, he's shaking his head. I'm you like, got nothing. <laughs> you you got to talk. <laughs> um, I, I loved it. It was, it was fun. I like mystery type stuff too. And that, yeah. that made it more fun. Um, I don't know. <laughs> he, he stayed away. He noticed those things too. I mean, like I said, he's the one who noticed. I didn't even notice the, the, the suit fake or the, the death when yeah. he faked his death. And I just thought that was real clever. I thought that was really cool. I didn't notice. He noticed that, you know, and real quickly, final things that we love about it yeah. was uh, on the ship at the end. It's just when the ooze just falls down on the guy. Or whatever. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I took a picture of it. <laughs> God, the, the ship scene. I mean, if you have to watch one scene. Watch, watch the, the ship watch scene. The yeah. ship scene. But, but don't. So I mean, see. watch the whole thing. But yeah, if you <laughs> yeah. have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you got a Super 8 digest of it. And it was only eight minutes long. You would pray it was just the ship scene. <laughs> there you go. And then them killing the H-Men in the sewers. There you and, go. Yeah. You know, so. But just to see Nakajima as himself, as a man, as an actor, and to see the other actors and all that. Yeah, I mean, that's great. But then, you know, to see the other scene, hey, just watch the whole thing. You'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better way to put it. It's a solid yeah. film. It's a solid <laughs> film. This was, and this was a blast for me. I know you guys are like, oh, you're going to have trouble editing it. But no, I've had a lot of fun chatting with you guys. Me too. And, uh, this was great. You know, definitely. I appreciate you taking the time to do it and, and spending oh, so much Derek, time I've with wanted me on to come on forever, yeah, man. Awesome. I've, I've wanted to be on Monster Kid Radio for. Ever. And, you know, I, w I was lucky that uh, I was so, so happy and so, so grateful that you, you played the Monster Kid Chronicle. Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. And I've had people ask me, is there going to be any more? And I tell them. There you is. Know? Okay, As a awesome. matter of fact, there is. There will be more Monster Kid Chronicles, but there may be some Monster Kid Chronicles published. Um, but anytime, anytime it comes in radio format, 
I'm always going to ask Derek first if if he would like to play it because I feel like it's a good home for it. And, yep. of course, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's just, you know, the whole premise of the story is just a bunch of monster kids growing up and getting into trouble and all that. I mean, the not-so-epic adventures, the Monster <laughs> Kid Chronicles, you know. And it was funny because the whole – that story and two other chapters came from the new novel I was writing – and it, the plot was so forced, yet the chapters were so fun with the little misadventures that it's like, you know what? I don't want these kids to have to deal with a monster killing people. I'm going to make it more nonfiction with some elements of fiction added because that really happened, dude, when I was a kid. My dad came in and kicked my brothers and me, kicked both our butts because we tried to watch Gargoyles at 1030 at night. Now, <laughs> the the Exorcist commercial – that happened later, but you know, sometimes you got to embellish well, things. Well, you, know, you know, you know. But that stuff really happened. And we really did call my dad Big Fat Underwear. If you're curious about that, you just have to listen to the Monster Kid Chronicles. You can listen to uh, the podcast on Monster Kid Radio that has it on. Yep. Yeah, it was back on, let's see. No, I don't have my episode guide in front of me, but I'll mention it uh, after this. You'll, you'll hear it, and I'll make sure there's a, a way for people to get to it. I will make sure there's a way for people to buy Big in Japan uh, as well. Uh, it's It's been a blast, and we will definitely have to do this again at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thank, and, and thanks, boys, for hanging out. Daniel, who's – I don't know where he is. I think he's playing Five Nights at Freddy and – Freddy's and uh, but I, I just I just want to say thank you so much. Sure. I, I just loved it. This was the, the snow is starting to melt here. It's getting nice in Minnesota and it's beautiful out. We got the sun coming in in the dining room and we're sitting here talking to Derek about monster movies. <laughs> and There's Who no, needs to be outside. You, the only way that this could get better is if when we hang up, we go watch a kaiju. You know, kaiju Iga. You it's probably could do stay. that, couldn't you? Yeah, I, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. Okay. So, but thanks again. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. You okay. Take take care. See you. Bye. If you head over to monsterkidradio.net, you're going to find links to the Amazon pages where you can buy Timothy Price's books. Big in Japan, Monster Kid Radio approves. Also, you can pick up the collection Icons of Sci-Fi, the Toho collection, for less then $10 on DVD, and you get three movies, The H-Man, Battle in Outer Space, and Mothra. Ten bucks, three Toho films? I mean, come on. That's a heck of a deal. Anyway, I'll make sure there's links in the show notes over there so you can pick them up that way, and we get a little bit of a kickback because we're an Amazon affiliate. Also over there in the show notes, we'll make sure the graphic that Timothy was referring to, the That Guy chart, that will be available on the website as well. Guys, thank you so much for being part of Monster Kid Radio this week. It was a real blast. A world-famous scientist, greatest living master of the occult, has mysteriously vanished. In his place, a huge and fearsome prehistoric monster suddenly appears. What happened to Dr. Waterman? Only one man, last to see him alive, knows. And now he finds himself in deadly peril. The weird, the unbelievable, the supernatural come alive before your very eyes in Equinox. The invisible barrier between good and evil, between light and the forces of darkness. What is the secret of the thousand-year-old book? See four teenage boys and girls 
fight a devil cult for their lives, their sanity, their eternal souls in Equinox. In supernatural color. Equinox. The man they are burying in a subterranean world of horror is a victim of the Oblong Box. Now, for the first time, Vincent Price and Christopher Lee star in Edgar Allan Poe's tale of the living dead, The Oblong Box. The Oblong Box in color from American International is rated M. So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration because that's what we do wait 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 wait. there's a lot more to the shared desk you got our loot crate looky-loo oh what's in the box and then what we're doing when we're not writing usually it's pretty nerdy and then there are the drop-ins has the whole world gone crazy yes there are drop-ins and we love having guests on the show it's the shared desk after all and if it's katie or lauren you get some lovely singing as well So find The Shared Desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The Shared Desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. Vault of Monster Collectibles House of Secrets number 92, DC Comics 1971. The early to mid-70s were a great time to be a monster comic book fan. The stands and spinner racks were overflowing with monster comic goodness from Marvel, DC, Warren, Charlton, Gold Key, Eerie Pubs, and other publishers of the day. Fans were treated to works by Neil Adams, Jeff Jones, Mike Kaluda, Barry Smith, Mike Plug, Frank Brunner, and many other fine artists, and my man, Bernie Wrightson. I was reading comics since 1962 at the age of three, and I started collecting comics in 1975, when I discovered Wrightson's work in the Monster Mag, Web of Horror, and DC Comics, he quickly became my favorite artist. I believe he hit his peak in the early to mid-70s, and his spectacular work on the cover and Swamp Thing's story of House of Secrets number 92 is simply gorgeous in a very polished, macabre way. House of Secrets number 92 is considered a grail piece these days among collectors, and they're all scrambling for a copy to add to their collections. The demand is through the roof for this issue. Here are some of the reasons for such high demand. First appearance of Swamp Thing. Swampy has been popular for decades, and he might be more popular now than ever, with the possibility of Justice League dark films looming on the horizon. This comic, more than any other, seems to be symbolic of a collector's love for the work of Bernie Wrightson. His friends Luis Wheezy Jones, later Simonson, and Mike Kaluta modeled for the characters on the iconic cover, Kaluta for the Swamp Thing. Luis Jones Simonson 
had been a mainstay in the comic book industry for several years as writer-editor for Warren and Marvel and was married to two highly respected comic book artists, Jeff Jones and Walter Simonson. Michael Kaluta has been a fan favorite since the 70s. Both are comic book royalty, and that is capitalized. Since Bernie passed away last year, the demand for this issue intensified. The comic book marketplace has seen a resurgence in general in the last few years with the popularity of several movies and TV shows, and the YouTube comic book community posting hundreds of videos on YouTube. All of these factors together have sent prices for HOS 92 into the stratosphere with no end in sight. Six or seven years ago, a collector could purchase a fine copy of HOS 92 for $150 to $200. Now fine copies sell for more like $900 to a grand. Here's a breakdown for what HOS 92 currently sells for by condition. Good 2.0. to $400. Very good, 4.0, $500 to $600. Fine, 6.0, $900 to $1,000. Very fine, 8.0, $1,500 to $1,800. Near mint, 9.4, to $3,000. While many books fluctuate up and down, the ones with the age and solid pedigree of House of Secrets 92 don't normally drop in price. They just continue to rise at varying rates. Investors know this, which is one of the main things that drives the price ever upward. My own copy of House of Secrets 92 was purchased at a small comic book store in Brunswick, Georgia in the late 70s during a family vacation. It's in fine condition and I paid $6 for it during the summer stop on the way back from Florida. I was ecstatic to finally get a decent copy of a book that was a mega key even back then. I was buying anything Wrightson I could get my hands on and that purchase made the vacation something special for me. Picks this week include one of the artifact itself, as well as another of a magnified portion of the beautiful gray tone cover, which makes a very cool computer background. I currently have it on my computer and enjoy looking at it every day. Next time we will take a look at a rare monster toy from 1963, the Haunted Hulk. Till then, keep on monstering. the blazing eyes of X, you will see demon forces that seek to probe the scientific unknown. Beware. Beware the stare of X. 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 One CC under the right lid, one CC under the left. Suddenly he possessed X-ray vision, power to see through clothes, flesh, walls, to the very ends of the universe. X. A fantastic adventure into the unknown, starring Ray Milland in his most challenging role since his Academy Award-winning Lost Weekend. X, the motion picture with a theme so unique it could only be called X. Filmed in Pathé Color and Spectorama, 
X, the man with the X-ray eyes, is the different picture this year from American International. You won't ever forget it. X. 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 From the creators of One Million B.C. When dinosaurs ruled the earth. It is the beginning. The darkest age of all. The wings of a monstrous bird darken the sky. A great beast lumbers forth in search of prey. A beautiful virgin is marked for death. It is the beginning. A time of terror, pagan worship, human sacrifice. From across the shadowy abyss of time, Warner Brothers brings you... When dinosaurs ruled the earth. Rated G General Audiences. How often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day when suddenly tragedy strikes. No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. Professor, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading this way. Now get aboard! It's the kind of thing which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific types of monsters. Hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies and what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up your copy of The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us by surviving. This is David Colton of the Rondo Awards, and you're listening to Monster Kid Radio. I said I had a little teeny tiny 200 Years of Frankenstein segment for this week's episode, and it's really kind of a cheat. It occurred to me that when I was talking about the Hammer Films, Frankenstein movies, I did not mention the 1951 Downplace podcast, which is a podcast that I co-produce with Scott Morris and formerly Casey Criswell was part of the production team as well. And you're going to hear his name mentioned in the promo I'm going to play here in a second. Now, I was going to refer you to our episode guide over at 1951downplace.com to see all the different episodes in which we've covered Hammer Frankenstein Films. However... Because I'm doing this last minute and I failed to check it until Wednesday night at 10.07 p.m. as I record this. Uh, it turns out that page is unavailable. So I cannot just go through the episode guide. That said, the podcast itself is available. You can find it in iTunes. You can find it in Stitcher. I'm sorry that this week's 200 Years of Frankenstein is basically just an ad for 1951 Down Place, another podcast. But you know, we have talked about a lot of Frankenstein material over there, and we always have a lot of fun doing it. The show currently is on a quarterly schedule, and the next movie that we'll be talking about in 1951 Down Place is not a Frankenstein film, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to tease you a little bit to encourage you to go subscribe to that podcast. Additionally, when I was chatting with Scott Morris earlier today, he also pointed out, hey, you didn't mention Down Place, so sorry, Scott. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 
1951 Down Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank you for tagging along and being part of the show this week. Big thanks to Michael Dodd for sending in the segment on collectibles. And thanks to my wife, Brenda, for reading that segment. Now, I do have a little tiny bit of feedback, but, you know, we did kind of make it clear, I hope, uh, that you understand that uh, when Brenda's not feeling so great, we may not have her on the show to read the emails. I'm going to sit on the current feedback until next time, and maybe Brenda will be feeling up to joining the show for a feedback discussion kind of thing next time around. Sorry I can't deliver my wife to you this time, but I hope you understand. Uh, I want to thank Timothy, of course, and his family for being part of the show. Those guys were awesome. I had so much fun chatting with them. And I know at one point Timothy's like, yeah, we got to go back and re-edit this and all that. You know what? It was not an editing nightmare. It was not a problem. I just had a blast chatting with you guys and reliving that chat when I edited the show this week. So big thanks again to Timothy and crew. Thank you to you guys and gals for listening to the show and for sending in your honest reviews in the iTunes store. I don't go and check the iTunes store every week. However, I do get a monthly report showing what reviews have come in and I've gotten three new reviews in the iTunes store in the month of March. And that's awesome. Thank you so much for your honest feedback in the form of an iTunes review. If you are an iTunes user, please consider hopping over there and giving us a review in the iTunes store. As of right now, we have 99 reviews. Will you be the person to push us over 100? Will you be that 100th review, honest review in the iTunes store? Well, or the 101st, 102nd. You know what? I just want to get 100 reviews. That, that's really the goal here, <laughs> at least for now. And then after we hit the 100, then we'll talk about 101, 102, and so on. Anyway, thank you for your reviews in the iTunes store. I really appreciate it. And since we're talking about online interactions, call to actions, that sort of thing, I'm going to talk about the website again, monsterkidradio.net, right across the top of the page, right there, annual Monster Poll 2018. Please consider voting in the poll and letting us know what your top 20 classic monster movies are. Uh, We are trying to get as many polls in as possible, and then Steve Turek is going to go through and tally the data, and at Monster Bash, we're going to announce what you guys and gals have decided are the top 20 best monster movies, and as a bonus your top five favorite Vincent Price films as well. I'm really eager to see how this turns out, and I would love your participation. 
Everything else you need to know about the podcast is also over there at monsterkidradio.net, including our contact information. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail, you can do so by calling 503-479-5657. That's uh, 503-4795-MKR. Or you can call and leave us an email at monster call and leave us an email. You can write us an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. My apologies. My brain's a little addled uh, from the surprise heat we got here in the Portland, Oregon area. It's 85 degrees today. 85 degrees. I like the heat, but man, I wasn't ready for it. And uh, yeah, I want to wrap this up so I can turn the fan back on and cool down. So thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of the show. Let me tell you what's coming up next week. Lucha de Mayo begins. We're going to be talking about luchador monster movies for five weeks straight. I posted, well, a poster on Facebook promoting the event, and I mentioned which guests are going to be part of the show. We're talking about Frank Schildener, Mark Peterson, Jason Giaconetti, and Jonathan Inbody. And that's, uh, oh, wow. And we've got people that have never been on the show, an old favorite in the form of Frank. It's going to be a real treat. I'm excited about this. And I've been asked what movies we're going to be talking about. I'm going to give you the American titles because I can't speak Spanish. And it's too hot to even try this time around. So, all right. Next week, we're going to be talking about the movie Champions of Justice with Frank Schildener. Also in the month, we're going to be talking about Santo and the Treasure of Dracula, Santo and Blue Demon Against the Monsters, which if you recall, and and have been a long-time listener, you know that I actually saw this on the big screen. We did a Monster Kid Radio crash a few years ago and talked briefly about it. Well, this time we're going to give it the solid full episode treatment. We're going to be talking about those two movies with Mark Peterson, who is the man behind Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop. I have a scheduled recording coming up with Jonathan Inbody talking about the movie Santo versus The Blob. And just to change it up a little bit, just to kind of get a different perspective, we're going to be talking about an Americanized version of a Santo film. Jason Giaconetti is going to join me. and We're going to be talking about Samson versus the Vampire Women. That's coming up all next month. In the month of May, we got vampires. We got the Frankenstein monster or the Franco stain. You will have to come back for that. We've got a werewolf. We've got time travel. We've got superheroes. It's just going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for next month. And I hope you'll join me here at Monster Kid Radio. That's all kicking off next week. Until then, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the original song, Kogai Kaiju Hedoron Lives. That belongs to the surf band Robotron. It's coming from their upcoming album, Gorgonzola's Revenge. It's not available online yet, but you can check out their other music over at their Bandcamp page. Just go to Reverb Brazil, that's with an S, .bandcamp.com and look up Robotron. They've got some great albums there to kind of whet your appetite until Gorgonzola's Revenge comes out. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao. (laughs) 